Welcome to the 1989 Royal Rumble here on Cronoso from the Summit in Houston, Texas. Just one pay-per-view here covered here on Cronoso, but we have our usual gang is here to cover the full Royal Rumble match where each wrestler will be represented by a Cronoso contributor. Once that wrestler is eliminated, that contributor eliminated from the Rumble match. That is also being simulcast on YouTube. So if you would like to watch along as our nine contributors filter in and out of the Royal Rumble match, please check out our YouTube. All right, guys, that is it for now. Mike Eller, take away with the landscape for the summit in Houston, Texas. Hey, what's going on, North-South Connection? Mike Eller here, giving you the landscape of the WWF as well as our arena history as we head into Royal Rumble 1989. Uh, This, the first pay-per-view Royal Rumble, a previous one obviously had been on the USA Network. This took place January 15th, 1989, from the Summit in Houston, Texas. Huge crowd tonight, 19,000 here to see this big show. And our champions are the exact same as we had on the last episode. The WWF champion remains the Macho Man Randy Savage. The Intercontinental champion remains the Ultimate Warrior. WWF Tag Team champions, Demolition. And... On the last show we covered, uh, we did mention that we have a new women's champion, and that is Rockin' Robin. So no change there. Do want to add, just, you know, I know the champions haven't changed much, but champions of Randy Savage, world champion, ultimate warrior, intercontinental champion, demolition, tag champions. That's maybe, I don't know if it's the best ever group of collection of champions, strongest, but it's definitely up there. Uh, that'd be kind of like a fun little podcast to think about. Uh, what, who had the best champions? What period? And I think early 1989 is definitely quite up there. So one arena that we haven't discussed yet on this podcast is the summit. Um, like I said, in Houston, Texas, It was open November 1st of 1975, closed as a sports arena um, almost 20 years ago, December 1st, 2003. It, you know, when we do these, we always say like, oh, it was demolished a year later or hung around a little bit. It's just like an empty space, finally demolished a few years later. This is still standing because it now operates as the headquarters of of the Lakewood Church, uh, which was just surprising. I just figured, like the other ones, they, you know, got brought down. Um, I live in Lakewood, Lakewood, Ohio, but not uh, no affiliation with the Lakewood Church. I guess it's a mega church, and uh, their finances allow them to operate in a former basketball arena. Um, it did go through some iterations of names. First, it was the Summit. 1975 through 1998. It then changed to the Compact Center. Uh, Holy, that's quite dated and makes me feel old. Uh, 1998 through 2003. uh, The Rockets got out of there, as we'll discuss in a minute. And then it became the Lakewood International Center from 03 to 05. And currently 
known to this present day as the Lakewood Church Central Campus. I, that's just crazy to me. So, uh, like I said, the Rockets, they were like the main tenant. They played there from 75 till 03. There are some other teams that played there. Uh, the Houston Comets from 1997 through 2003. They were like the first dynasty of the WNBA. Uh, Cheryl Swoop, Cynthia Cooper. I remember they were like a really good team. They won a few championships there. A couple hockey teams from 75 through 78. The Houston Arrows played there in the World Hockey Association. And then we had another iteration of the Arrows, this time in the IHL and later the AHL. They played in this arena from 94 through 2003. We don't have a much of an arena history uh, in terms of like the WWF. Um, I'm not sure if it was because, you know, Houston wrestling was pretty prominent and they had their own thing going on. Uh, so WWF didn't come there very much. But the last time that we were here was a WWF house show uh, that took place about six months prior to this, five, six months prior to this, on July 15th, 1988. Um, our current champion and the champion at the time, Randy Savage, defeated Ted DiBiase to retain the WWF title. That's pretty cool. Uh, not cool. Dino Bravo defeated Bret Hart. Uh, wow. Just, that's 1988 for you, I guess. Our announcers for tonight uh, are, as usual, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura. If you want to find me, uh, you can get me uh, on this feed uh, every other week. I do show up on Ryan's uh, WWF paper, WWE PLE previews. Uh, which I always love doing, and uh, show up every now and then here or there on your podcast. But we've got, again, first pay-per-view Royal Rumble. Hope you enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, hey now, Carnoso. What is up? Steve Bennett here. want to thank Eller for that landscape and arena history. Uh, big one for us today, the opening match of Royal Rumble 1989. Uh, one of my favorite pay-per-views, looking back on it. You know, it's the first time that the Royal Rumble is a pay-per-view. Obviously, in 88, it was on USA. I remember buying this at my friend Don's house. And by buying it, I mean showing up at his house because he had the cheater box and being amazed. I was amazed every time that that thing actually got the pay-per-views. You know, I just always thought something would go wrong. No, it never did, thank God. Uh, but it's a special night. We have uh, Gorilla and Jesse on commentary, which is the first thing I always notice about this pay-per-view uh, because I know I have them together at WrestleMania 1-6. to six. But the other pay-per-views, it's a little sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, but they're together here tonight. And we have the opening match. We're in Houston at the Summit. Uh, and we have a two out of three falls match. I'm not sure why it's two out of three falls, but it is a six-man tag. Jim Duggan and the Hart Foundation are the face team, and they go against Dino Bravo, pre-cigarette business, and the fabulous Rougeau brothers, Ray and Jacques Rougeau, with Jimmy Hart and Frenchie Martin. Uh, those are the heels. And right away, as a fan of the faces, I get nervous when there's so many guys down there. You know, why do they have so many damn guys? Why Why is it 
this three-on-three match is suddenly three-three-on-five. And I know that these two jerks on the other side that are number four and five are going to be part of the match, uh, part of the disappointment. I also know, since the best two out of three, that there's a very, 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 very good chance that the faces are eating that first fall. Uh, wrestling bookers are addicted to the heels getting the first fall. Thus, the the commentary is a never-ending talk about the odds are against them now. They're underdogs. The, the, the heels only need one in the next two falls. They're in the driver's seat. You know, all the things you could think of. Um, and that happens here. Uh, and the Dino Bravo uh, hits a sidewalk slam, and uh, and uh, Ray held up Brett, and Jack jumped off the top with a seated senton on Brett for the first pinfall of the match. Brett eats the first fall. It's one nothing Rougeos, and then okay, here we are. We're 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 we're, we're underdogs, baby. We're underdogs. We might have been the favorites coming in. We may have had the former tag team champion Hart Foundation here working as faces. We might have Hacksaw and and I got it. You know, it's really a team North America here. You know, it's like the um, the hockey tournament when they they had Team North America and it was all the young players of McDavid and uh, the player that's now dead to me and uh, Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon and they were the greatest thing about the tournament. And then hockey screwed it up because they didn't have a quarterfinal round. And and somehow by tiebreaker, the greatest thing in that tournament, Team North America, didn't make it out of the uh the group stages. Just just and then they ended up with the final of uh the Team Europe, uh coached by Ralph Ralph the hockey team killer, uh uh Kruger, and and then they lost to Canada and that just ruined the tournament. We're in the tournament. But we have Team North America here, and we have Hacksaw representing the USA, Glens Falls, New York, with the 2x4 and the flag and all that. And then, of course, we have the most Canadian of wrestling tag teams ever, uh, the Hart Foundation, and then they're facing off against three Canadians as well. Uh, so um, it's interesting here that the uh, Hearts have decided not to bring Canadian, but to bring the United States with them. Uh, shrewd move, I think. Uh, but they're behind the eight ball here. Uh, we get some USA chance. Uh, we got a couple rest holds in the second fall. Uh, but before you know it, Duggan launched Nightheart over the top onto Ray, and Brett also got a splash. Duggan with an elbow drop on Ray to get the second fall, and suddenly we're tied at one. Uh, they gave this match 1542, which I think is fair. Uh, not too bad, uh, and then we have um, we have the third fall, uh, and the third fall, you know, um, that that the the the, the two by four is going to make an appearance. Uh, Doug is in control for a bit. They go into the heel corner, triple team in there. Heels are to- choking Duggan's throat against the middle rope. Jocks with a drop kick on Duggan. Bravo with a body slam on Duggan. Followed by an elbow drop for two. Bravo with an atomic drop on Duggan. This action is fast and furious. Brett got the tag and hit an atomic drop on Jock. Hart unloaded on Bravo with punches, elbows, and a backbreaker. Um, Anvil went after the heels. The referee was distracted by that, and Duggan hit Bravo in the back 
with the 2x4. A great bump by Bravo to the map. Brett covered and got the pinfall win. While the Rougeos are just too slow to break it up. Uh, 14, 15-42. You know, in the three-star match, fun antics. Good two out of three action. Again, this didn't need to be two out of three, though. Kind of a silly gimmick. Uh, but the pops are huge. The crowd was into it. Um, and uh, that gets us going here. Royal Rumble 89. Now, we had six wrestlers in there, and I thought it'd be fun uh, before we finish up to do a quick draft because I like doing drafts. And um, I guess since I'm the only one here, it'd be more like a power rankings. Uh, but I'm going to rank these guys, uh, one, you know, I'll go six to one, I suppose, um, for for uh, best, for, for if I'm starting a federation, I most want this guy, right? So I think at number six, we're going to have Dino Bravo. Uh, at number five, we'll have uh, Raymond Rougeau. Uh, number four, uh, give me, give me, give me Jacques. At three, give me the anvil. At two, give me Hacksaw. And at one, Bret Hart. So some fun power rankings to finish off there. Uh, Royal Rumble 89, great show. Uh, it's going to be a lot of great, great segments here on this Cronoso. Uh, I'm going to hand off to Hall. He's got the lottery ball machine segment number one. My boy J.A.D. is in here. You know, Keithy, it will be in here. Um all the regulars are on the show today. And then the big Royal Rumble segment, which I stay far away from. Uh, but that's it for me this time. Quick in, quick out. Uh, but we got a big video coming soon. So look for that. All right, Cronoso, I'm out. Cronoso listeners, welcome once again to the ongoing journey of the Cronoso saga. We're in the middle of the Royal Rumble, and I, the Down Under Thunder, Dave Hall, have the privilege to bring you what is a cool little segment. You see, after the first match, we've got these series of vignettes showing a series of WWF superstars drawing their number for the Royal Rumble. Now, this this was a really cool concept. They didn't do it in the um in the '88 Rumble. And uh, I think it was a really good idea as they go into pay-per-view they're trying to draw a bigger audience that they are showing the concept that the the number, the entry, where the way the ref- wrestlers enter the Royal Rumble is because of a random draw. They don't know. They're reaching their, they're, they're going to they're gonna pull a number at random. And so we have a, a lotto draw. They've got a, 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 a barrel filled with uh, little plastic round balls. All the numbers are inside those, and they, they spin it round, and then they reach and pull out. And I'm just as if you were drawing lot of numbers on a, on a weekly basis to try and win yourself a big money prize. And uh, so it's a really, really cool concept and a great way to, to show the randomness. And uh, so we've got a series of um, quick vignettes of different guys drawing their number. And the first one we see, our first superstar, is the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, accompanied, as always, by his bodyguard, Virgil. And the million-dollar man says, the time has arrived for the million-dollar man to draw the million-dollar number. 
and he reaches in with confidence and he draws the number out or draws the ball out. He hands it to Virgil and Virgil opens the ball and unwraps the number and just shows it to, to Debiasi. And the confident look on Debiasi's face suddenly disappears and he does this visual double take, sort of steps back with a bit of shock. The confidence is gone. It's a great reaction by Debiasi. He does not like his number. And he looks around and, and he sees someone off screen and he calls out um, Slick and he goes off camera and brings Slick back on camera with him and, and looks at Slick and goes, um, earlier on, were you happy with your number? And Slick goes, ah, brother, unbelievable. And DBRC, you know, he goes, let, let, let's go and chat. I've got, a, I've got a, something to talk to you about, a bit of a proposition. And they go off camera and, it's a really good start to a, a really good concept. The million dollar man doesn't like his number and, and he goes off camera and, and, and he's having a, a business discussion. Now I'm not, you know, look, we all know most of you who are listening know DBRC ends up with the number 30. So, so I can understand why slick was happy. He obviously had drawn number 30 for either boss man or Akeem. And we know that the benefit for, Boss for Slick is the boss man and the key end up coming out with back-to-back numbers. So DBRC's drawn either 22 or 23. So DBRC didn't actually draw a bad number. He got quite a late number, but he wanted something better. And uh, and he ended up getting it. It's a good little thing. I'm, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment, though. Uh, the Bushwhackers come out. They're, they're in there. They're reaching in, trying to look. They look at their numbers. Oh, I got a bloody beaut one, and I've got one. Do you want to swap? Oh. Between them, they drew numbers 10 and 19. Oh, nothing super special. Swap, I guess it sort of highlights they're just a stupid and crazy pair of guys. And, you know, don't confuse their accent to mine because it's actually a very different one, New Zealand to Australia. Honky Tonk Man reaches into the barrel. He draws out his number. He's not happy. He throws it down in disgust. And we all know he ends up drawing number 11. And that's not a good number. And I can understand why Honky wouldn't be happy with that. Bad news, Brown's next. Now, he reaches in. He's got this scowl on his face. He reaches in, pulls out his number, and then this bright look comes on his face. He goes, this is good news for bad news. Now, the problem with this uh, this line, because bad news is drawn number 13. Now, if he's highlighting the fact that an unlucky number is a good, good thing for bad news, Brown, that's okay. But the idea that you want a late number, the, the, the higher the number, the better you are, um, Bad news being happy about drawing number 13 is not a good look. Really isn't. Action Smasher, I've, I've talked about him before. My favorite tag team all time, Demolition. Action Smash get out there. They uh, they reach in, they get their numbers, they just have a look. And, and basically, Axe is like, it's going to be a long night for me. And, and Smash says, me too. Yep, long night one and two. And I really like, this was a good a good use of Axe and Smash, highlighting the the concern of drawing such early numbers. And even though we don't know what it is at the time, very clear where it's at. Jake the Snake reaches in. He draws out his number with Damien wrapped around his neck. He looks at it, and then he shows the number to Damien, and he says, I just hope Andre is still in the ring when we get there. Now, Jake had drawn number seven. This, to me, seems to indicate that perhaps the number draw was done before some of these guys knew what number they were actually when they were coming out, or maybe they changed when Jake was coming out at, at some point. Because 
Jake coming in at seven, he doesn't know where Andre... He There's an assumption here that Andre must have drawn an even earlier number than seven. There aren't many earlier than seven. And to think that Andre might still be in the ring, the, the number draw indicates Jake's coming out quite late. And he doesn't. He comes out very early. And I really... This just doesn't work. This little... That line doesn't work. It's a shame because it's a... It's the one probably super negative of of these these vignettes. Finally, the last two guys, Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels, the Rockers, they reach in, they draw it out, and really they just say, "Hey, good luck." But you know, Shawn and they, Marty, they just say, "Good luck to each other," and, and they go, and, and that's it. The number draws that were shown done. Now, as I said, this is a really cool concept, but I feel that it could have been a little bit better. I think the DBRC draw should have been shown later. Give the impression, show a couple of these earlier ones, like maybe show the Rockers drawing theirs and saying good luck, showing Honky not being happy, even the bad news one being in there. Then maybe show the DBRC one. You need to lay that foundation. I just feel that the DBRC bit just happens so so suddenly. Um, it's the very first thing. It leaves this lasting impression, but it sort of overshadows the rest of the the vignette. If you'd done a few initially to show, you know, guys drawing numbers and just having a reaction, and then DBRC's reaction would seem a bit better because you've got this idea of other guys having laid that foundation. But yeah, you know, the lottery draw is done for now. The first part is done, uh, but it's not the end of the lottery segment. So. Gonna be back just a little bit. Just you know, we've got another match to go, and uh, and then we're gonna come back and uh, and and have a bit more of a chat. So, um... all right, Cronoso faithful, it's Johnny D'Amato here, and it's a uh, Cronoso time. And uh, oh yeah, first ever, uh, first ever review of some lady action. Oh yes, it's ladies' night, and the snatch is tight. All right. All right, uh, that's a good uh, little uh, mix up there to, to get a rare, uh, get a rare ladies match. Uh, because at this time, uh, the uh, woman scene was kind of down. Uh, our uh, resident expert Trent Williams uh, pr- probably wasn't too excited about this period. Because uh, uh, since uh, WrestleMania one, where uh, Wendy Richter uh, beat Lalani Kai for the uh, title. That was a uh, that was a big match at the time with the uh, Cindy Lauper vibe at uh, WrestleMania One. That was you could say that was that was about the third uh, match from the top. Uh, of course, the main event and probably after uh, Andre Stud, that was uh, pro- probably the third uh, top build match at uh, Mania One. And then uh, a big d- downward uh, spiral for the uh, women's uh, business there because. Uh, the Wendy lost the uh, title under uh, controversial circumstances. Uh, some suspicious uh, uh, wrestling maneuver to the uh, Spider Lady uh, Mula, and uh, you know Wendy Richter, whatever happened there, and uh, then the, the women's division really went down. There really wasn't much emphasis on it. The uh, the the first Rumble had uh, they they brought they brought it up a little with the uh, the Jumping Bomb Angels uh, versus the Glamour Girls, the Bomb Angels. Uh, were very impressive, uh, and the Glamour Girls with Jimmy Hart, so you, you figure they would try to uh, uh, spruce things up there, but uh, not, not much there, very mundane. And then uh, also the, that, that Wrestle, you know, WrestleMania 2, the women's, women's matches uh, with uh, Moolah 
versus Velvet McIntyre. What a disaster. Velvet McIntyre took a dive, landed on the flapjacks, and uh, almost had a wardrobe malfunction. And uh, they cut to the finish in about uh, 42 seconds uh, with Moolah. So after that, as far as uh, pay-per-views, uh, not much uh, going on with the woman. So we got a nice uh, comeback here. It looked like they're, they're trying to bring things back uh, for this Royal Rumble. Uh, uh, Judy Martin versus uh, Rockin' Robin, the current champion, as uh, as uh, Rockin' Robin took the uh, title from uh, Sherry Martel in Paris, uh, where, where they showed some highlights in Paris, France, and uh, Sherry Martel, who uh, you know came out of nowhere, not much hype, and uh, and took the who took the title from Moolah, and then uh, and then they 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 switched it to they gave a uh, Robin. Uh, triumphed over sherry so if you, you figure uh they're, they're gonna try to uh push the women's division again but uh, i don't know what they saw in a uh, rock and robin uh slight frame uh you know uh i guess easy on that there's obviously uh no other talents uh, if you heard her singing uh, oh brother hood uh yeah so i don't they must they they saw something that the audience didn't see in, in robin and in uh, giving her this push, uh, maybe a little nepotism, uh, you know, with uh, her brothers, uh, you know, Sam Houston and Jake Roberts. So uh, they're, they're really trying uh, with this. Uh, so you get the introductions and uh, Rockin' Robin comes out there and uh, the uh, the summer Houston crowd uh, that took this time to go to the bathroom, get their snacks and merch because, uh, yeah, it, was a, it wasn't, wasn't much of a response uh, to uh, Sam Houston's music. And, uh, you know, this is country territory, too, but uh, they, they weren't really feeling this. Uh, Judy was already in the ring when uh, she was introduced. And uh, Judy Martin, uh, you know, the typical, uh, came out of the Moolah school, had the, had the typical 80s uh, look from that, uh, from, from that first uh, Survivor Series uh, disaster with, that, with the women's, all those women's matches, uh, Judy had that typical look, uh, the 80s, uh, the 80s uh, women's look out of the Moolah school, fire hydrant body, uh, your grandmother's uh, bathing suit, and a, and, a, and a face that looks like a head got, got hit with a shovel, uh, uh, a real uh, a real Massachusetts Seatown special, so somebody you could find in a in a Seatown bar on a, on a Friday happy hour uh, where you could probably get lucky, uh, a nice four, Boston four. You know, you know how it is in Boston. More fours than a golf course, uh, as my uh, good buddy uh, Roger Morissette uh, clued me in on. So uh, the, the introduction uh, is interrupted by Sherry, who just who gets in the ring, looking nice in a in a white uh, dress outfit. And uh, she says, I, "I don't care who wins. You know, she's going to ch- challenge the winner. Pretty much uh, runs b- both of them down." And then uh, sh- Sherry joins uh, Gorilla and Jesse uh, for commentary and. Uh, the, and to be honest, that was uh, the best part of this match. Uh, there's really not, not not much. I mean, Gorilla tried. Uh, he really got over that. Uh, oh, he was there uh, for Robin's impressive uh, victory over Sherry. But uh, really, that's that, that's the best part of this is uh, Sherry's commentary and, and Jesse too. Uh, you know, taking her side and. Uh, and, but 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 Sherry, you know, one, one criticism is Sherry was kind of putting him down. Wasn't really getting over her opponents, you know, talking about how uh, how skinny uh, Robin is, and she just got lucky. And uh, and even Gorilla was uh, wasn't really uh, pumping up uh, Judy Martin. They're saying Judy looked real lethargic, uh, kind kind of like uh, uh, Sherry looked uh, lethargic in uh, Paris. Uh, 
uh, Gorilla got his uh, shots in. But there was nothing that, that these two did. Uh, the crowd was dead. Uh, I mean, the action is basic enough. Some some back and forth uh, go, going on. Some, some two counts. Uh, Robin uh, gets in uh, her brother's uh, DDT. Uh, not as devastating. Only for a two count. Real uh, mediocre there eventually. And... Uh, and, and one one thing you saw that you know b- both with the long uh, curly eighties hair that, that 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 you saw a couple times that Judy would like like, like grab uh, Robin by the hair and and, and whisper the spots in her ear and uh, we, which was uh, you know u- utilizing uh, the the uh, hairstyles at the time uh, definitely eighties uh, a lot of curls and. Uh, but uh, the the crowd was just dead for this. Uh, the finish uh, where Robin jumps on the second rope and kind of fakes like she's going to dive, and and Judy kind of gets twisted and and turns around, and and then, and then Robin does uh, does the uh, crossbody block and uh, gets the pin. Uh, no uh, excitement, uh, not much. Uh, the uh, the highlight was was all uh, sensational Sherry's. Uh, Commentary running down, and, and she says she, you know, she, she don't care, and, uh, and and she just wants this match over with as soon as possible, so because she wants to get the, her her rematch versus the winners, and uh, this was a uh, down uh, down times for the women's division uh, in this Royal Royal Rumble uh, match. Uh, nothing but uh, nothing but souvenirs and a concession stand break and bathroom uh, here. So uh, it, it it is what it is, but uh, a good little change of pace uh, to to look at uh, to see where where the women's uh, division was uh, at this time in our Cronoso journey. So uh, this is Johnny D uh, signing out, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Okay, everyone, I'm back. I'm back. I know you all love it. The Down Under Thunder for a second run. Well. It's a second run, but really, it's just a continuation of my first little little spot. You see, what's happening now is that we've got a little bit of a follow-up to our lotto draw, to our numbers draw from uh, our last segment. We return to the back, and Sean Mooney is with the Doctor of Style Slick and the Twin Towers. And um, you know, Slick says that, he is just so excited, so happy. He's got these two big specimens with him, and they're ready to just to, they're ready to just do damage. And uh, and Sean Mooney looks at him and says, "Look, I want to ask you about something that happened earlier, something that happening with the Million Dollar Man." And and Slick says, "Who?" And uh, and 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 he goes, I, I, Million Dollar Man. I haven't seen him for over a month." And Sean Mooney goes, "Well." I want to show you some footage. I want something that happened earlier today, and so they recap the the entire million dollar man drawing his number bid, and uh, we see it again. He draws his number. He's not happy. He goes off screen. Brings Slick back on. Goes back off with Slick, and um, <laughs> Slick comes back. He goes, you know, Sean Mini goes. What do you have to say about that? And Slick goes, Oh, you mean that Ted DiBiase? I thought you meant Ted, who shines shoes, the shoe shine guy, whatever. It's a really funny response. And then he's told the man to change. It's none of your business. I have the greatest commodity in the Twin Towers. Basically, he's like, he, he sort of plays it off. He's trying to hide the business transaction. He's been caught red-handed. And now he's like, it doesn't matter. It's none of your business what's happened there. 
and it's not. It's no one's business what's happened between him and DBRC. And I don't blame him. You know, I think you, you've got – it's a really cool – it just sort of plays on what happened with the Million Dollar Man. That it's clear that DBRC has spent some money. And it's clear that Slick has entered a business deal that has led to an exchange of numbers. Now, I, I think it's great. Yeah, the confidence that Slick is showing, knowing that he's got the greatest commodity, the Twin Towers, everything ready to go. And he knows he now has numbers that are back-to-back. 22 and 23, they are going to be going in to basically together. They're going to be able to wreak havoc together. He's highlighting this. This might be every man for himself, but I've got the Twin Towers, and they're going to work together. They're going to be functioning together out there, and they're going to be causing chaos. It's a really good follow-up to that initial segment. And, and um, yeah, it, it is really sort of slick at the peak of his managerial career in the WWF with the Twin Towers going. And look, Bossman and Akeem, just, they just stand there. They don't say anything. They don't need to say anything because Slick's doing all the work. DBRC spent the money. We're going to see the impact of that a little bit later on. I I, I love this little bit. It's um, a great way to round off the lotto draws. It would, have been, it would have been nice if we'd had a few more lotto draw numbers to go to, maybe show a few other guys drawing numbers. Um, I know we're going to get some interviews a little bit later on in the in the broadcast in this episode, but would have been nice to see a couple more guys draw the numbers. I think it would have been a good follow up to that earlier segment. Um, you know, maybe you could have shown, um, you know, maybe you know, it would have been nice to maybe show Elizabeth drawing the Macho Man's number. Um, it could have been good to see maybe Ron Bass with his new haircut drawing a number. Um, Perhaps the Red Rooster drawing a number, and you know he had such a late number. He you could even say something like, you know, I, you know, see, I don't need Bobby the Brain, you know, didn't need him to draw my number for me. Um, it, it could have been great to see Coco Beware draw a number with with the bird with the bird with him with Frankie on his arm, you know, maybe even Mister Perfect. Yeah, maybe not Mr. Perfect. You know, that, yeah, we get that the next year. Uh, and I think that's probably a good thing because um, it's obviously not the best. But, you know, maybe getting Andre, that would have been a good one to get Andre and, and sort of brain, you know, sort of highlighting, you know, Andre doesn't care what number he draws because he's the the champion of, of Battle Royals and he'll he'll last no matter what. He'll, he'll just beat everyone anyway. I think it would have been... Good to see some more. As it is, the lotto segments have been uh, fun. This was this interview is a good follow up. There's a lot more to come on Chronoso. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Royal Rumble. You are going to hear me a little bit later on. I'm going to be back later on in a, in, a, in a bit of a different capacity. But um, I encourage you if you want to hear more of the stuff that I do through the Looking Glass. Um, it drops once a month. Um. Last month, we, we had a really interesting uh, look at um, a few different guys and, 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 their, uh, and the way politics has impacted a career. And this month, I really encourage you, um, when this, this month's episode is going to drop in a couple of weeks' time, I think it's fantastic because we're going to have a look at the idea of what the Attitude Era would be like if Stone Cold Steve Austin's neck injury was worse than it ended up being and he was never able to resume his career that's going to be interesting anyway this is the down under thunder dave hall enjoy the rest of chronosa i'm going to catch you in the main event today all right no so nation richie mars from wrestling retold with richie mars on 
Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on the TikTok here on this glorious Royal Rumble edition of the No-So, specifically 1989. And my segment was the Ultimate Warrior vs. Rick Rude in a pose-down competition. Now, I was very unfamiliar with this, but I do recall the legendary Rick Rude and Ultimate Warrior feud that happened during this time. And, yeah, this is a new experience for me. After last time you saw me in the no-so, I checked out the Ultimate Warrior versus the Honky Tonk Man, so why don't we keep that rolling with more Ultimate Warrior goodness. Rick Rude is accompanied by his manager, Bobby the Brain Heaton. He is carrying a, not a stool, but it's one of those uh, bendy flex bars that were very popular during this time in the 80s, and that's to get you pumped up uh, with the muscles and the vascularity. That's what happens when you're in one of these wrestling bodybuilding shows, or so I've been told. This is probably one of the only pose downs I've seen in wrestling. I think the last time I saw a pose down, it was Bobby Lashley and I think Braun Strowman, but... That's beside the point. That's still years and years into the future. We're in the now of the 1980s. And Rick Rude is coming out with his horribly dubbed Peacock entrance theme. How do I know it's dubbed? Because I can't hear the commentators or the crowd. It is brutal. So anyway, Rick Rude is very ready for this pose down. And then we get the introduction of the Ultimate Warrior. And of course, Mean Gene Okerlund is here to give us the rundown of how this pose down is going down. So it's going to be four different poses for both Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior. I will say that Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura are fantastic here on commentary. They are playing off of each other really well with Jesse Ventura having a big hatred for the Ultimate Warrior, saying that most of the things he's doing should be illegal, how his face paint should be an automatic disqualification, while Gorilla Monsoon says that I don't think they are going to do any cheek poses for this bodybuilding contest, but eh, you never know with wrestling. The truth is stranger than fiction, as I always say. So the first pose on the docket tonight is a double bicep pose. A very dangerous pose, but Rick Rude is not deterred by this because the pose list is of his own doing. So he takes his robe off, he has lovely airbrush tights with one side, the front side being a giant airbrushed version of his face, and then on the keister, he has a horrific portrait of the Ultimate Warrior. So he hits the double bicep pose with his horribly dubbed Peacock theme. And now it is time for the Ultimate Warrior's turn. And I don't know why Warrior keeps doing it. He does this for all the poses. So he'll hit the pose and then he'll stomp his feet to the ground. Then go to the other side to get the other part of the crowd. Then he'll go to the other side and then stomp his feet again. Very strange thing for the Ultimate Warrior to do, but Ultimate Warrior is a very strange guy, you know? I'm not going to pass judgment on that. The next dreaded pose is the ab pose. So, Rick Rude is using his 
traditional hands behind his head and he swiggles his hips to show off the abs. Now, I'm not a bodybuilding connoisseur, but something tells me that is not a legitimate bodybuilding pose. Then the Ultimate Warrior does it and he is screaming his head off because he's pumped. He's the Ultimate Warrior. That's what he does. He screams. And now we go to the third pose with again Rick Rue trying to show off his body, but the Ultimate Warrior has the fans behind him. So he is just going wild with his poses. He's screaming some more. And Rick Rude, while this is happening, he is bending this, they call it like a steel beam that he's working out with, but it's like one of those like Bowflex bendy bars that were very big at the time. And he's just like trying to work out on it. You know, he's trying to get a pump in between all his different pose downs, which Monsoon says, that might be illegal, and Ventura is like, shut up, Monsoon, no one really cares what you think. You know, that's sort of the deal. And now, for the final pose. It is the muscle medley, or the muscle montage, as Mean Gene Okerlund says it is, and we get a bunch of different poses. You get the Hulk Hogan pose, you get the double bicep pose, you get all the poses we've seen before in this lovely different medley of poses and of course when ultimate warrior goes he is going crazy yelling stomping his feet the crowd is going nuts and <laughs> they 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 kind of screwed up this spot right here okay so warrior is facing the hard cam he's doing the double bicep pose and what's supposed to happen is bobby the brain heenan is supposed to be spraying some sort of liquid in its face. It, they didn't really describe or say what this liquid was, but I assumed it would might have been like baby oil. And Warrior is supposed to sell it like he's been blinded. But <laughs> when Heaton sprays it in Warrior's face, Warrior is still hitting the double pose, even though this baby oil is supposed to be stinging in his eyes. He's still like no selling the heck out of this. So, if you want to spray something in the Ultimate Warrior's eyes, just to let you know, that ain't gonna work. But as that's going on, as he's showing off his double bicep pose, Rick Rude comes in with this Bowflex bendy bar and smashes it over the Ultimate Warrior's head. And Ultimate Warrior is presumably knocked out. And Rude grabs the bendy bar and starts choking the life out of the Ultimate Warrior. And... Him and Bobby Heenan, they leave. And then all of a sudden you see all these officials come out in suits. You see referees come out trying to help the Ultimate Warrior. And if you uh, take a closer look, you might see a young Vince McMahon there as well. So the Ultimate Warrior is being helped by, uh, onto his feet. And then you see his head shaking. He's in the zone. He is livid that he got hit by this Bowflex bendy bar. I mean, look, you're posing down, you get hit by a Bowflex bendy bar, you're going to be a little bit perturbed. So he gets so angry, he throws everybody over the ring, over the top rope. He's just randomly punching referees and officials, they're just feeding to him. And it's not the cleanest looking beatdown of anything, and the commentators of Monsoon and Ventura, they're questioning if he's going to get suspended and then warrior leaves and he runs to the back 
never to be seen again until the next time he comes out. So, this was a pose down. So it's hard to grade it on a traditional wrestling scale. What I will say is, if you think things are rushed more today in this modern age, from the time that Warrior got the stuff sprayed in his face, the bendy bar hit on his head, getting choked out, and Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan leaving, that all, at least from the Peacock feed, took about probably like a minute, 90 seconds in total, all of that. So if you're complaining that all oh, these kids nowadays, they don't know how to slow down, it's all about spot, 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 spot. This was incredibly rushed, if you want to sell it as a major attack. Because they were selling it like Warrior was knocked out, he was getting choked out, and then immediately after, Warrior is just throwing all these guys over the top rope, he's punching him, he's clotheslining him, what have you. So, as an angle, it was effective in progressing the feud between Rick Rude and Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Championship. But at the same time, it could have been a little bit more effective in just the cleanup of the of the ending of this match or not match pose down uh the post beat down angle could have been drawn out a little bit more they could have taken their time they could have had a, some more camera shots that would have helped enforce the danger of this bendy bar even though it's they kept saying it was a steel bar but it, again it was a bowflex bar so there's like a giant bendy thing in the middle of it so it probably wouldn't hurt that much as compared to a steel bar but again semantics semantics so overall uh if you could watch this pose down i would say try to find a version that doesn't have the horrible peacock dub over it because that music was very very distracting and i'm trying to listen to all the the barbs that commentary had but I couldn't really hear it through all the dubbed music of Rick Rude's theme. I will say Rick Rude's attires, you know, the airbrushed with his opponent's face and his face on his tights, needs to come back in some way, shape, or form. If you're an independent wrestler or you're a current wrestler, I do suggest we bring the airbrush style back because I always thought that was a cool style to uh, separate yourself from the pack. But yeah, if I were to recommend this bodybuilding segment ah I, I i would watch it at least once just so you get the kind of vacuum in the 80s and this is how they would progress a feud a feud and it's not just uh, nowadays where it's like contract signing where it's like oh we're gonna interrupt this person cutting a promo at least they were invented in that regard where it wasn't just a, oh, I'm going to call you out sort of deal. It was fairly creative, you know, because Rick Rude, his character was, you know, he was the ravish, uh, ravishing one. And he's trying to prove he's better than the Ultimate Warrior in this regard. And I think that should come back in wrestling in some aspect of just trying to be more creative with different feuds and rivalries. Because every rivalry doesn't need to be call out, attack from behind, anything like that. 
you can have creative setups like this so this rivalry feels different from the other rivalries that were going on. So over, overall, I would suggest this as just kind of like a timepiece. And the Ultimate Warrior and the Rick Rude rivalry and matches is pretty good in my scenario, in my head, you know. So uh, yeah, this is a nice little time capsule in wrestling history. Thank you, NoSo, for letting me cover this segment. Again, I am Richie Mars from Wrestling Retold and Relive with Richie Mars. You can catch me on that podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts every Tuesday. I had a couple episodes. We had one on Keith Lee. We had one on the Halloween Havoc match, the behind the scenes. And of course, you could catch me on the TikTok at Retold Richie Mars. I post content there pretty much daily. It covers new and old kind of wrestling trivia and whatnot and just making videos on the world of professional wrestling and current day. So I thank you one and all. Please enjoy the next segment. Hello, this is Tim Slopka for Carnosa Monthly. I am here to do the Royal Rumble Haku versus King Harley Race or King Haku versus Harley Race. The match of kings. So we start off with Jesse Ventura and the ch- the throne. He talks about how maybe one day he'll run from king. Uh, pretty funny that he says uh, that, given that his future political uh, I- ideology that he comes through. So pretty funny that he's there. Uh, he looks very comfortable and relaxed in the chair, uh, kind of setting up this big match. Real weird face versus, or sorry, heel versus heel. Bobby Heen in the middle. Uh, we get King Haku out to the, the standard Cheer the King Lawler music. Uh, he's led down by Bobby the Hain Bean, and he's standing on the throne, uh, let out, <clears throat> being led on the throne, carried out by jobbers. I thought Haku really showed a lot more personality as he's smiling, kind of waving, and, and very proud. Um, and he says, uh, and then Bobby the Hain gets on the, the phone, or gets on the, the announcer and says, you know, everyone should bow down to our king. So pretty good stuff to start off. Then we get King Harley Race uh, with n- absolutely no music and again uh, the crowd doesn't really know what to do for this match for out there uh it's pretty cool that he comes runs around and flips haku off the throne but it's a very very dangerous spot i'm not sure who they're trying to play up as a good guy or face in this match uh, i'm not sure really cares but the crowd definitely doesn't like this bobby bernhan throughout the match is very uh very good he, he's cheering for both guys whoever's on top he's kind of cheering for jesse really really put that over that you know, Bobby is a weasel, and he'll go over to whichever guy wins this match. Um, really stiff match. You get a stiff, stiff slap from Haku on the King Harley race. Crowd really wakes up for that. Definitely kind of a, a downer match uh, coming off of some of the other stuff in the early, and everyone getting pumped up for the Rumble. Uh, so I get the placement of it here, and there's definitely a lot of storyline in this match. Um, as, as, as they kind of mentioned later, that uh, King Harley race was the king until Hogan messed up his back. Of course, I'm slamming him up through that table. Uh, and then he'd give up his crown, and Ah, who's the big crown? So they have storyline here, and it's good they're giving these guys something to do. But overall, the match just just isn't isn't the best. The crowd doesn't know how to do it. They they really get out, take the time outside to really put over that Harley Race is trying to do the pile driver on Haku. The problem with again outside at this time is there's no master TVs. It's very there's no ringside TVs uh, at the entranceway, so it's really hard for the crowd to see it. The crowd also doesn't care about this. It's heel versus heel. Um, and the entire time they're outside, also Bobby the Brain Heaton stopping the count, which again it doesn't really make sense from a storyline. I guess he's trying to do something, but I'm not really sure what. Um, in the match, so it's it's kind of a little clunky. Finally, Harley Race gets the pile driver on Haku. 
but Harley Race falls over. It's just a bad pilot driver. I don't know if Haku was a little stiff with him on the legs, but it's it's very terrible. Um, and, and of course, then Gorilla Monsoon brings up the heart. Haku has a hard head, so that really won't matter to him. Um, you know, crowd is really dead for this. Again, both guys also in purple, both wearing king tights. Uh, so the crowd really doesn't know how to do it. The match comes back inside. Harley Race looks to have the advantage and kind of Bobby's cheering for him. But out of kind of nowhere, after throwing him into the ropes, Haku hits a nasty kick right to King Harley Race and gets the pinfall uh, victory. A kind of an okay match, a lot of storyline, maybe something more for a superstar as a wrestling challenge. is like a big time match than in the middle of this rumble. Uh, that you just you're gonna have Rick Rude and uh, sorry Rick Rude and Warrior with a big segment. You're gonna have the big war, um, big Royal Rumble moments, and then you kind of get this match kind of slammed in here. I don't know what else could kind of go in here, but uh, kind of a match that goes nothing. Harley Race is kind of near the end of his road. His back is definitely really suffering. He's starting to look a little bit out of, out of shape as well at this time. Again, again probably because his back couldn't handle him anymore. Uh, and, and Aku shows a lot. I think his kingdom has has been okay. Um, and I think, you know, the King gimmick is a good gimmick to give something for mid, mid, mid carters that besides the title. So I, I do like it, you know, something at this time where they didn't have as many belts. This kind of almost became like a belt. So I like it for that. But the actual in-ring stuff is a little bit weak. So Haku uh, with the victory and we kind of say goodbye to King Harley Race. I'm pretty sure he's not on pay-per-view and I'm not sure how much longer he stays in the Fed after this. But um, he'll move over to WCW and become a lot more manager at, after that. Uh, so okay, my name is Tim Slomka for Cronosa Monthly. I'm here every like every other week basically for Cronosa Monthly. I'm also on New Gen on Mission podcast with Justin Pratt, Brett and Sean Survivor Series ninety two and Brett Sean Survivor Series ninety seven. Please check us out, listen, rate, review anyone on the Cronoso, and we will talk to you soon. Cronoso Monthly here on the North South Connection Podcast Network. I am your host, Keithy Langston, and we're gonna do a little something different for this part. Uh I have been able to get my hands on a DeLorean time machine. And we're going to go back in time to the 1989 Royal Rumble at the Houston Summit because I want to get some interviews. I want to get some questions answered by the people that are going to be appearing in the Royal Rumble. So I'll see you guys in a little bit. Alrighty, I've made it back to the Houston Summit, and here I am now with uh, Master Fuji. So, Master Fuji, if you can tell me, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, coming into the Royal Rumble this year? Uh, and, get uh, on, is there anything you can tell me? <laughs> in just a little while, the Royal Rumble, you'll see the Paws of Pain, the Barbarian, and the Warlord, the two lodgers in the Royal Rumble. And let me tell you, I feel sorry for you, Demolition Accent Smash, because you'll be our number one victims. And let me tell you, there'll be only one winner. And you happen to be looking at the winner, Master Fuji. <laughs> All right, that's pretty interesting, uh, Mr. Fuji. Uh, wait, Gene, what are you doing? Gene, 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 get out of here. I had this opportunity to talk to Miss Alyssa. <sighs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mean Gene Oakland here to interview uh, the lovely Miss Elizabeth. All right, as we continue to talk to the managers, manager of the Mega Powers, she is the first lady of wrestling, the lovely Elizabeth. Who are you going to be rooting for in the Royal Rumble? Oh, I'll be cheering for both of them. 
Hulk Hogan, and of course the macho man, Randy Savage, the undisputed World Wrestling Federation champion. That's right. You know, I'm very curious, during the course of the competition, Elizabeth, hypothetically, it's very possible that Hulk Hogan could be matched up against the macho man. Then who would you root for? Oh, Gene, I've been trying not to think about that. I just... Well, wait a minute. You've got to root for one or the other, don't you? I hope it doesn't come down to that. All right. Apparently, we're not going to get a clear-cut statement or answer on that one. As we continue to talk to the managers, here's Jimmy Hart. Oh, Jimmy. Th thanks, Gene. Well, Jimmy Hart, I'm, I'm here to ask you a specific question. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you think that you have uh, anybody in particular in the Hart family that is going to come by and take this away? No, no, no comments. Hmm. Wow, what a way to start the year, baby, with the Royal Rumble. That's right, man, double trouble. Greg the Hammer Valentine, master of that figure four leg lock, along with a man who can sing, he can dance, he can do it all, baby. That's right, the man himself, the honky-tonk man, Mr. Shake, Rattle, and Roll. Together, I call him double trouble. Whatever hmm. it takes to win, baby, you can bank on it. We're going to do it. The honky-tonk man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, like we said before, baby, when you mess with a bull, you might get the horn. All right, so here we are now. Um, it looks like I was able to sneak backstage, everybody, and uh, was able to get some interviews from some of the participants coming in. First, I'd like to speak to the Buckman Street Barber, Brutus the Briefcake, Brother Brutai. Uh, what are your thoughts on this um, coming up Royal Rumble? I know that you have the opportunity to possibly bring uh, your shears to the ring. What do, you, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's going to be something that might uh, come into play? carries the tools of his trade well in this case the royal rumble baby i've got the only tools i need right here these two fists is just what i need to make my way through all those wrestlers through all those men make my way to the top so that i am the last man <laughs> to survive the sole survivor the last man that's what it's all about hmm. There's not going to be anyone in there who's going to be watching my back. Well, that's... Me against everyone else. That's a shame. <laughs> that's right, baby. And the tools I need are right here oh. on the end of these two meat slabs, baby. So the rest of you boys, you better beware, because maybe I might have a pair of scissors in my shoes. Ah, there we go. I might still do a little bit of strutting and a little bit of cutting when I'm done. Okay, well, thank you, Brutus. Um, next up, I'd like to speak to, oh, my, wow, Greg Valentine. Looks like, uh, Greg, are you already getting warmed up here? Or, or you know, I, mean, I know it's a, a Royal Rumble and you're willing to definitely go more than 15 minutes. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about this? Now, your name is Greg the Hammer Valentine. We just heard Brutus Beefcake, your former tag team partner, I might add, in the Dream Team, talk about uh, possibly only needing his his two meat hooks or his two um, ham hocks or whatever you will whatever the, you would like to say uh, but he may keep a pair of scissors in his boot so uh, that way he or his sock rather so that way he could do a little cutting and strut and what do you think about this 30 top stars from the World Wrestling Federation, and I'm one of them. And I also know, you know, I've been around the World Wrestling Federation for a long, long time. You have. And I know I can't trust anybody. Mm. I've had a lot of partners in the past, mm. and I know that for a fact I cannot trust anybody but myself. And I'm talking about Jimmy Hart, too. Mm. And I'm also talking about the honky-tonk man. If I have to fight him, I will do that. Mm. A Royal Rumble. 30 top stars of the World Wrestling Federation. And the winner 
is going to be, as far as I'm concerned. Greg, the hammer valentine. I don't need to bring anything in, like an axe or a scissors. All I need is my two bare fists. That's how I got the name, the hammer. That's how I became the legend. Greg, the hammer valentine. An individualist only caring about himself. And I'm going all the way to the top to be the winner. Well, that's excellent, uh, Greg. I, I appreciate the uh, the comments there. Nonetheless, uh, of course, Greg the Hammer Valentine, the two hammering fists of the former Intercontinental Champion, former Tag Team Champion. Coming up now, Fuji, what are you doing back here? We just interviewed you, like, five minutes ago. What are you doing? Uh, well, I guess you're coming along. All right, all right, take it easy. He's coming back here with the Powers of Pain, Warlord and the Barbarians. Good to see you both. Uh, you know I'm a big fan. Uh all right, Fuji, I guess we're going to let you talk once more for these two fine uh, gentlemen. Okay, look at my pals of pain. Show how much endurance they get. They ran 20 miles around Hilton in yeah. less than one hour. They did a thousand push-ups. And look how big they are. Look at their arms, their chest, their thighs. Anybody Royal Rumble, he wears especially eyes, a demolition. Because the Royal Rumble is coming in. And because what happens if they should face each other in a match, let me tell you, you know, there will be one winner. And I winner will be me. Master Fuji will be the big winner. I will take home everything. <laughs> me the winner. Interesting comments nonetheless. Uh, and now we have a returning... Uh, Big John Studd. Uh, John Studd, I know that you've recently gotten rid of Bobby the Brain Heenan once again. Uh, big congratulations on that. Uh, what are your thoughts on moving into this? I know that you may have some people that you're looking to single out or no? It's been a long time since I stepped over the top rope in a wrestling ring. But in a few four, short minutes, you're going to find out whether the two years of hard lifting, the two years of hard training paid off. Well, things have changed for John Studd in the World Wrestling Federation. One thing's for certain, Heenan will not be in my corner. Hmm. Another thing for certain, when I step over that top rope, I don't know who my friends are, and I don't know who my enemies are. But I know one thing, I'm going to give it everything I have. And when the smoke clears, and it comes down to one man, it will be John Studd. All right, um, Big John Studd. Uh, sounds like uh, the theme of this running theme here for this Royal Rumble at least everybody that's in the one of these participants is that it's every man for himself. Well, now here is somebody that I am excited to talk to. Uh, this is not just a man, but this is a perfect specimen, if you will, here in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, please, w what do you think? 1989, a brand new year, and Mr. Perfect is declaring this the year of perfection. And I could think of no other way to prove to the wrestling world, all over the world, that I am Mr. Perfect. The Royal Rumble, 30 of the World Wrestling Federation superstars could all be in the ring at the same time. And you've got tall men, and you've got short men, and you've got perfect-sized men. So what I'm going to do is tip the big man over, throw the little man out, and Mr. Perfect will stand and remain the number one man in the World Wrestling Federation. See, I have no friends. I'm not looking for any friends. And when it's all said and done, Mr. Perfect is where it at. So whether you like it or don't like it, it's the way it is. All right, Mr. Perfect. Uh, I like that. Uh, he's going to topple the big men, toss the small men. It's a good idea. It's a good strategy. Uh, but of course... 
Here we have now with us, I am so excited to introduce the current World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion of the World, the one, the only, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Mr. Savage, Mr. Champion, if you will. Thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, I just have a just a quick question on your thoughts. I just want to get your thoughts on this uh, this event today. What do, what, of course, Mr. Champion, of course, you are the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Duly noted. Are your what are your hopes to win this for the for this for today? Freaked out, freaked out. Oh yeah, seeing some people all around the world are gonna be watching. Yeah, and at the summit in Houston, Texas, it's the Royal Rumble. Yeah, thirty big time wrestlers. Yeah, with reputations to match. No partners, every man for himself. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm on top of the mountain and I feel like I'm alone now. Yeah, and I'm warning each and every person that comes into the squared circle that I am the World Wrestling Federation champion. Yeah, and I'm used to being number one. And macho madness will be felt in the summit in Houston, Texas, and all around the world. Millions of people will witness, yeah, and the people that come into the ring will feel the pain, yeah, they'll feel the intensity of the macho man Randy Savage, because I didn't become the World Wrestling Federation champion by, uh, yeah, letting big time things slide by. I'm the champion now, and I'm going to be the champion of the Royal Rumble, Ooh, yeah. Alrighty, now it uh, looks like we're about ready to get underway here with the Royal Rumble, but I wanted to make sure that I get a chance to talk to the last few people here. Oh, uh, Mr. DiBiase, Mr. Teddy DiBiase, Jesus, Gene, Mean Gene, what are you doing? Get out of here! I already, you already get a chance to talk to these people every day. All right, Virgil, along with the Mega Dollar Man, and you've got a smile on your face of sorts. You've got to be happy about something, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Just a few minutes away from the Royal Rumble, 30 of the top stars in the World Wrestling Federation, and topping off that list, the top star in all of the wrestling world today, yours truly, the Million Dollar Man. And when you're as wealthy as I am, Okerlund, you can be as lucky as you want to be. Wait yes. a minute, on the subject of luck, what was going on between you and the Doctor of Style Slick? Was there some business <laughs> transaction? What are you insinuating, little man? I wouldn't question your integrity. You know me better than that. <laughs> well, like I said, placement in this event is by luck of the draw. And like I said before, when you've got my kind of money, you can be as lucky as you want. Well, joining me now, Bobby the Brain Heenan, members of the Heenan family, and uh, Mr. Heenan, I'm sure you're well aware, only one man wins the Royal Rumble. Well, I'm not sure how the other managers prepare their men, but believe me, the Heenan family's ready. We know what we're up against, and we're ready for anything. You can bet on that. Okay, also, the Brain Busters involved, Tully Blanchard. You know, it's just an honor to be in the Royal Rumble, to be one of the finest 30 in all of professional wrestling, but you know, I think we're standing here with the winner. Okay, and Art Anderson. Sean Moody, if you want to win the Rumble, you got to be a loner. you got to go right for the juggler. All people, 30 men, just 30 numbers. That's the way we're going to view them. 30 men, 30 numbers. Okay. All right, well, Andre, would you? any thoughts, Andre the Giant? I'm going to cut off Sean Mooney here. I don't know what time I'm going to come in the ring, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I know when I'm going out of the ring, I will be the last one. I never lost a match so far. I'm not coming again to win. And even you guys, the better one stopping in front of me. Because you guys going out, just like everybody else. All right. Ah, we'll stay in the middle. There you have it from the Heenan family. Let's go back to Gene Okerlund. No, Gene, are you serious? You're going to talk to Hogan? The the only person that I really needed to talk to? Well, I really wanted to talk to Savage. But, I mean, you know, of course, I can't not, not talk to Hulk Hogan here in Back to the Future Land. But what? Uh, All right. 
Ironheart, Hulk Hogan, and visiting you over the past week, you are hungry. But what if, in the Royal Rumble, the big boss man should track you down? Well, you know me, Gene. I'm worried about a lot of things, man, in the Royal Rumble. You know, yeah, the boss man's won. But first off, me and all my Hulkamaniacs, we're looking at the Royal Rumble as the resurrection of Hulkamania, man. Oh, yeah, Hulkamania lives. Oh, yeah, Hulkamania's running wild. And you better believe the host of rules, brother. But if somebody like the big boss man gets in my way, I'm going to give him a lifelong sentence of Hulkamania. Even if his partner, the bad Akeem, gets in my way, I'll press him over my head and throw him out of the ring. We got the Heenan family. We got seven foot four, 565 pounds, Andre the Giant. But I got a lot of things going for me, Mean Gene. I got the three demandments for a foundation, the training, the prayers, the vitamins, brother. And with all my little Hulksters watching my back, I don't care if it's dog eat dog in there. I don't care if it's every man for himself because the deck is stacked in my favor. And with all my little Hulksters watching my back, I predict victories for Hulkamania. All right, at the risk of sounding <laughs> negative, victories? Hulk Hogan, what if you and your mega power partner, the Macho Man Randy Savage, in this competition where there are no partners, what if the two of you happen to collide? Well, you know, I've thought about every given situation, Mean Gene. I've thought about what would happen if this happens and what would happen if that happens. But if the Macho Man, the WWF champion, happens to end up in the ring with me, the Hulkster brother, I kind of feel sorry for him, Mean Gene. Oh, he's a friend, yeah. Yes, I love him like a brother. And we're both guided by the same manager. But when it comes down to who rules in the WWF, who is the real champion i guess if it comes down to me and the macho man he's gonna find out real quick that the hulkster's never been beaten i've got the largest arms in the world and yes macho man i am still called the champ by all my hulkamaniacs Total. what are they gonna do when the largest arms in the world rumble on through oh what more can you say gorilla monsoon let's go back to you i mean i would the just hulkster, indeed. I, I don't know to me it sounds a little a little presumptuous that Hogan thinks he's already the champion. I mean, but, uh, well, history knows one thing. All right, everybody, I'm going to get back on my DeLorean and get back to 88 miles an hour. And we're back in uh, 2023. Uh, that was a great uh, little break for me and a mini vacation if you will so that is going to do it for uh Cronoso monthly for me here on the north south connection podcast network thank you so much and i hope you enjoy the rest of the royal rumba it's time for the 1989 royal rumble here on Cronoso, starring logan crossland Waco Martone, Steve Riddle, Kelly Nelson, David Hall, Mike Rossi, Jack Campbell, Keith Langston, and Ryan Bray. It's time to rumble. It's time for the Royal Rumble. Here comes the X, comes the Smasher, your demolition. Here comes the Smash. Look at that guy, huh? Yeah. 
And here comes a smash demolition a walking disaster. Pain and destruction. Demolition Destruction Axis. That's his name. That's his full name. Oh wow, I did not know that. Or it's ax it's Axis Pain Demolition. And mine and Smash's name is Smasher Destruction Demolition. Oh my god. Did not know that. So we have the wrong names here. So it's a demolition's actually at the end. Probably right. We would say, yeah. But, but they is, always referred to them as demolition acts and smash. So I they mean, did, yeah. So it makes sense. But oh, I don't believe it either, Monsoon. Oh my goodness! Tag team partners starting out the Royal Rumble. My God! Really innovative uh, thing here. I'm, I know, never, right? They've never done this since, right? I mean, pa tag partners have gone at it, but. Like the Steiners yeah, not, are in not early. To, yeah, not to start off of, or even just to be in the match themselves together. But yeah, yeah it's great. And considering that this is the first, this was the first one on pay per view. They did it like yeah. right away, you know. Yeah, and they go straight at it. They don't. They don't even think about. No, <laughs> just waiting for the next guy. Seriously, which is which I feel like would have happened if it was like the Rougeos. Like they would have just sat there and like talked to each other and w waited for the third person to come out. They would have just waved their flags. Bonaparte. Grab the grab the uh, mic and sang "All American Boys" or something like sure. that. I like but that. Yeah. Pretty. I've noticed pretty much throughout this entire show that the Rumble banner is like swaying in the in the breeze up in the uh, rafters area. Oh, they, they put it right in front of the AC for some reason. Yeah, you'll notice that it's on the it's the one on the opposite side. You'll see it as soon as they go to the other camera. You'll see it like swinging back and forth. It's kind of a, it's right. It's funny, but it's a good times. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Any anytime they did uh, tag partners after this early, I think it was always staggered with somebody like. You know, one was, was one, and then the other one was, like, three or something like that, or four. Yeah, yeah. and then you would have, like, oh, help is on the way. Yeah. Gorilla would say help is on the way. I really was. I really am shocked that more tag teams didn't, like, you know, they all took it, took the uh, every man for himself thing super seriously when, like, you could have teamed up until the very end and then every man for himself. So Absolutely. Well, I mean – it happens immediately. Uh oh! Oh, look oh. at that! Almost threw him out of there. But it happens right away because I think you know because we know who number three is. Mm -hmm. The big man. The big man. Yep. This is this must have been so much fun for the two of them though. They must have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna let, we're gonna let you two go out there for like two minutes. Uh oh, uh -oh who's coming in? Oh my god. It's Andre the Giant. It's Andre the Ultimate Giant. Look at me. Coming down with the Bobby the Brain Hina. <sighs> how, dare you guys how dare you guys besmirch the greatest wrestler of all time. Um, demolition fighting each other is the dumbest thing ever. It doesn't make really? any sense for tech. First off, they're good guys. Second off, they've never been portrayed as dumb brutes like, like Samoans. Like, they have intelligent, like, promos. Like, why would they fuck? Why would they fight each other the second, like, fight each other at 30 or 29 or 28? It's, it's a good, completely stupid to be. It's like if you're on a tandem bike race and you kick your fucking, your partner off in the first, beginning of the race. Like, that I don't, true. I do not get why it's a thing. And I get it's a funny thing, but like, literally, he, they, he gets kicked out like fourth. So it obviously was stupid. Just wait. Just wait. 
It doesn't, make, it doesn't make any sense in the first fucking minute to fight. You just chill the fuck out. Yeah. I guess it just well, doesn't make it very entertaining, I guess, though. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure Vince McMahon was like, you know, they're they're the good guys, so they would not wait. They would just fight each other. But just don't book it that way. I guess it's a cool thing, and it's a very, like, big moment. But it was well, it's, never been, it's, never, it's never been booked that way since, so, yeah, you know. smartly. I mean, they're baby faces too, and they're being dude. That's a stupid thing for them to do. But it's cool to see him beat up Andre. Just have one guy beat the shit out of some dude, and then have Axe come in. I sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why they've never done it again, because they thought, like you, that it was very stupid for two people to fight right off the bat. Yeah, you know, just chill and wait. I could see, I could see the New Day doing it though. Like I could see like the New Day mixing it up with each other, like one and two in a in a rumble. You know, well, there's a weird wrestling logic to like, you know, we're supposed to be here, so we'll do it. But it's like, come on, just mm. be smarter. I, I expect, I expect more from uh, the mass superstar. This is a cool little machines reunion though that we're getting here. Yeah, so that's really yeah, it is. Uh oh, lots of uh, very pale, hairy legs. <laughs> really going. Oh, here he is. The one and only. Sing went less, Mr. Perfect. One of the best teams of all time. Absolutely. That's Here comes. Oh, hey. Hey. Here comes. Here comes Can I, the am man. I heard? Yeah. Yep, you're here now. Because, yeah, my video is just like still photos it's lagging so bad <laughs> it, it's like the day after the pay-per-view here's what you get to see uh, Ricky. still photos right, until the coliseum video comes out in six months oh yeah <laughs> i'm sure you've seen this rumble a few times that you can kind of remember what's happening though uh it's been a long time i, I was thinking about it earlier i don't think i've seen it since the 90s at some point maybe even oh, the wow. early 90s this was never one of my favorites. The like the next five rumbles are all very good or you know rewatchable, but this one I always have never really been a fan of. Uh, do you want to weigh in on the demolition funny each other debate? You love it? You hate it? Mm-hmm. No, well, I maybe maybe it doesn't make kayfabe sense, but it was a cool thing for the fans, and it was yeah. I was like eleven years old at the time. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't remember what I felt, but I'm sure I did as well. I wasn't alive, so I can't <laughs> give live memory. So <laughs> it was so rare to get, you know, oh, yeah. two good guys fighting or even two bad guys fighting at the time. So it was special. Mr. Perfect is selling like a bitch, like a bitch, like a beast for Andre right now, and uh, it's pretty uh, always impressive. Either or, of course. Without my glasses on, Mr. Perfect was like Jim Duggan with the blue tights without the uh, thing. <laughs> here, comes here, come, Ronnie. Here, here comes rubbish Ronnie Garvin. I'm just oh, I'm in here. I'm in here as Ronnie Garvin now. Yeah, apparently <laughs> Ronnie's uh, No, this is because this is a this is a rib on the fact that there's you know Pete is trying to convince me that back in the 1970s Ronnie Garvin and Andre had a fight and. Ronnie Gavin slammed Andre, and I just refuse to believe that anybody yeah. that Andre would ever let rugged Ronnie Gavin come anywhere near him. And uh, to quote Rocco, the greatest going to bring that up, yeah. Ever. Garvin slammed him at some point. I highly, highly unlikely. Jess. I cannot believe it. <laughs> I cannot believe it. The, the, I, mean, that, no, I, I mean, like, 
That list is surprisingly big. Kamala slammed him. Butcher Vashon slammed him. A bunch of guys slammed him that they'd never talked about. Isn't Butcher Vashon the guy Anthony that had slammed one leg? <laughs> oh, no, I think Andre that was would Mad let... Dog. Uh, no, that was Mad Andre, Dog, his brother. Andre would let... I heard Luna yeah. Vashon slammed Andre, too. That's what I heard, but that could be a rumor. Um, mm. No, I mean, Andre, Andre would love to love letting guys slam him. Backstage, he did, but no. I think, <laughs> I think the only guy... I, I think the only guy Andre... Andre didn't want to slam him with Savage. I think he had an issue with Savage slamming him, <laughs> which I don't think I don't think Savage ever got him up. I heard a story. The, I heard a story the other day that uh, initially when the Rockers came in, Andre didn't like uh, didn't like them obviously because they were assholes, but. Um, then, like after the first couple of times, he they were you know respectful to him, told him hey and asked him how he was doing but yeah eventually he was like you know i was just ribbing you guys this whole time <laughs> andre the ultimate ribber yeah <laughs> he was like i don't actually hate you i just wanted to rib you <laughs> i just uh, wanted to make you oh yeah here we go coming at you hammer time i think you don't see greg salvat run very often <laughs> you don't see what, Greg? What? Greg Valentine run a lot in wrestling. Man. No, fresh eight ball in. You know, mm-hmm. does that does that speed up his warming up time? Yeah, the... <laughs> twenty minutes. No, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. If anything, it slows it down. I feel like. Yeah, Greg Valentine is he? He was like the he always was over forty years old. Even when he was like nineteen, he was still. It took him took him a while to get ready in the morning. This is he's a like wild. The quint- Sorry, he's like the quintessential rumble oh. guy. Like, and there just, I go. He can go 30, 40 at any point. Dude, oh, why- Andre is wildly active in this match. And so far, like, he's really fighting dudes off. Like, he's like the fucking Iron Man in this match. And it's a great performance by him so far. And there's a lot of oh, no spoilers, but they continue. But, I mean, he's just viciously fighting these dudes off. It's really amazing. Absolutely exhausted. Yeah. But he keeps going. Uh, I'm sure he's dying right now. Yeah. Inside, I mean. <laughs> so I wonder if they like just held Axe in such higher regard than Smash that they were like, "Yep, you're gonna stay in this match for ten minutes longer than your tag partner." It could be Andre's boy too. Andre's comfortable yeah. with him being in there. Yeah. True. True. So. Back to the whole machines thing, like Rocco was talking about earlier. They were. Oh, look at that mug. Look at that fucking shot, man. That's fucking a thing of beauty right there. That is, it's insane how they were so good at editing wrestling matches in 1989 compared to how they do it now. Like, you can follow the whole story. It's 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 a, it's brilliant. It's a thing of beauty to watch. Hammer's already coasting at this point. <laughs> He's already <laughs> chilling. Sitting. Oh, look at those kicks. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, hammer. Uh-oh. Oh, hell of a Jed, you might not be in the match long. Let's be excited. We letting the music just fall <laughs> 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 Ronnie Garvin's theme, I think, was a Richard Simmons uh, workout <laughs> video. What was that? <laughs> And good, slim, good body. 
some interesting editing choices. Man, perfect, perfect without the singlet is weird. Yeah, Man. he's ripped. He should not be wearing. Oh, absolutely. still AWA Kurt Hennig at this point. You see his kid more in him when he doesn't have the singlet on. Yeah, I can see it. Andre and Jake are giving a great preview of their amazing WrestleMania 5 match they'll have in a couple months. <laughs> Jake, I take it you're not going to be the one discussing that one. <laughs> there is that one great spot in that match where, where it's like... Uh, like Andre gets like dazed or winded, I don't know. So he starts shaking his head, and Gorilla's like, "I think Jake got a knee up," and it wasn't even close. Like it, there's no zero. zero contact. Yeah, this is how that match should have went. It should just be a total squash, like he's doing the Jake here. Yeah. I've noticed this recently with Andre that no one talks. They never talk about his chops when he throws a chop at dudes from like five, his arms like four feet away. Like he like is leveling dudes in matches, and I always love that. Man, good song choice. <laughs> Jesus, We're sitting with Bob Ritchie. <laughs> song schooler than the wrestler. Hey, he's probably voted for it in the best of 2000s tournament, like four rounds. <laughs> Does that predate the 2000s, Cowboy? Yeah, that was '99. Oh, just missed it. Oh. By the way, Jake is gone. Oh. Nope. <laughs> Damien is still around. There we go. <laughs> I recently covered uh, Bass getting his head shaved on uh, uh, Saturday night's main event. So, yeah, in this little, he's coming out. Gorilla just, Gorilla, of course, called him Baldy. Uh, in this little box, he looks like uh, Miro to me for some reason. <laughs> all that. <laughs> Very much I am your, I will redeem you. <laughs> Ron Bass Crush. This is like a, the 99 Rumble where everyone's wearing black. Everyone has black on the side shirt, I think, at this point. Yeah. Man, Hammer's just getting the brunt of this right now. Oh, my God. Dude, now I just see nothing but Miro looking at him. <laughs> Machka. Ron Bass might be the most violent wrestler ever since he did one of the only things that's ever been completely blurred from a wrestling uh, match. So. Which terrified me. I believe in the Spurs and Miss Betsy. <laughs> they are my spur. gods. <laughs> yeah, talk about great theme songs. There we go. Future Hall of Famer hits the ring. Yeah. On fire. Look, I, I want to I want to come back to one of the points you guys were making before, just how active Andre has been. He he really has been doing a lot of hard work. Right? Yep. He's right. not stopped, man. He's not stopped a second. He is fighting. He's been down. He's been up. He's been in Andre's position in the ropes. Uh, he's done it all. He's fighting dudes. He's he definitely dudes. he definitely just ripped one and right in Valentine's face. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. And, and I he think oh, it nice, anymore. nice, nice shot by the former AWA boys. But 
Okay. I think the other thing that's been really good, like having Andre in early, but it's allowed the every man for himself thing to work well because everyone's targeting Andre. All the the good guys, the bad guys, everyone's going for Andre, and and it, and it really brings that every man for himself element out even more than Axe and Smash at the beginning. Yeah, that's a great point. I and mean, you kind of imagine a world of like a Royal Rumble with an Andre as a good guy fighting dudes off would have been such an amazing thing to watch too. Like just being attacked. I mean, you still have sympathy for him. I do at least because he was my favorite. But like, Jesus, the, the camera angles they get of Andre like this are just unparalleled mm. to really just capture his like his brute oh. force. Man, that's, man, that's like, something I could watch. Is Michael's perfect and Valentine? Just having like a trios match, three way match. Dave, you mentioned like the AWA connection, but they had a surprisingly lack of interaction in AWA, if I remember correctly. I mean, I think there's not much with Michaels and. No, nah, they 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 no. didn't. Is um when when the rock when the Midnight Rockers took the tag titles, um Hennig was in the main event picture with the world titles, so they really were kept apart most of the time. I think there was like a weird six man that they had at a weird event that I remember watching. As like, oh. All right, now I'm just going to point out that New Zealand and Australia are two different countries, right? <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, we don't we don't walk like that over here in Australia. But I'm certain my friends in New Zealand do. Oh, look out! I mean, you, your country just got downgraded from a continent, Dave. So I mean, you're not a continent <laughs> oh, anymore. You're the, you're the Pluto oh, of Andre's countries. out of there. Oh, yeah, there goes Andre. This what a sick one. I'm not dealing with that serpent. He almost died. Kept him strong too. I mean, the fact that nobody eliminated him, he eliminated himself. Got the hell out of there. It, it, it was the phobia that got got rid of him, not not any one person or any eight people. <laughs> eliminated by fear. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So. <laughs> lugging that snake around. And Jesse was pissed of Jake doing that. That's what I always liked about Jesse is is he he'll put out the like he'll always back the bad guy when they're doing their thing, but when the good guys do something that's not right, he calls them out for it straight away. Yep. Oh, there's a big shot on Michaels has been Michaels has been getting bounced around since he hit the ring. Yep. Took that role from uh, perfect. <laughs> Sean's got like that young boy thing going at this point of his career too. There we go. Technical difficulties. That's <laughs> to say who's got the microphone on the background. <laughs> I think we might have be having technical issues on. Man, look at Butch Cell here. I'm a honky-tonk man. Right to the double axe handle. Let's go. I'll tell you what will be interesting watching this time with with everyone is with the Cronoso story, we've been seeing the development of Honky and Valentine as their tag team being developed. And um, I'm really interested to see whether they actually do any work together in this in this rumble. 
That's true. They're they're getting worked over go. at the same Here time. You go. There you go. He saved him. <laughs> That's right, Gorilla. I was, I was now now even poor Sean's getting knocked around by Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. You know, you're uh, honky, gets, honky gets a lot of yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of heat of that. People give him a lot of slack for for his for his in ring offense. But those punches he was throwing just then, they they were they were very tight. They looked good. Yeah, well, those Memphis guys always seem to have the best punches, like him, Lawler. Mm. So. Jared, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, he's got a good punch. No, he Jared's got good punches. punches. I'll, I'll give him that. He might not be good at much else, but oh, come on! No, nah, I'm just playing. I've watched too much TNA. I can't can't give him too much credit. Come on! <laughs> and this is this is something you wouldn't have seen in the '88 one. Is like you've got Perfect and Honky going at it here, and this is what I was saying. They really have got over the everyone's just going to battle. They don't care whether they're good guys or bad guys this time round. Oh, fucking Tito. Former Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion of the World, Tito Santana. Chico is the word. Talk about Intercontinental Champions. You've got you've got multiple former and future Intercontinental Champions all in the ring at once. Valentine, Santana, perfect. Um, Honky and um, Shawn Michaels all all gonna um, have some hold on the IC. <laughs> 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 <That's> fucking Butch. <laughs> well, like we said, he, he might be from another continent altogether. And a, and a man that cost Brother Brudai his it was uh, a, yeah, it was a... match. <laughs> it was a he had a tricky change in New Zealand that didn't make it to the mags. Bass and Butch are really the odd man out in this ring right now. Yeah. Mm. Bass has been their way too long. I know they always build the Bushwhackers from New Zealand, but didn't they did they kind of promote that they were from like just down under? And that was just it. <laughs> so that's why like we had to assume mm-hmm. that they were Australian. They presented them, they presented them very much with that down under feel, but they are they are born and bred in New Zealand. That's where they that's where they come from, and that's where they they grew up. So, yeah. but that it was um, very much. I was listening to a um uh, an interview that um I think it was I think it was Butch did, and he he, he noted that when they brought them in, it was all around the crocodile Dundee concept, sure. which is that's mm-hmm. Australian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we all know that New Zealand is the uh, cultural epicenter of the uh, Southern Hemisphere, so you know. <laughs> oh. Are we entering the Twilight Zone? Oh, Bad News Brown. Bad News Brown. Interesting theme song for him. Oh, we're very like old territory. Uh... We're bringing up. He might be the only stampede stalwart that we have in this match, really. Sure. Did he, a lot of stampede. Did he bring any of his rats? No. Yeah, where are well, the he sewer rats? Have, he didn't have to bring any sewer rats because Jake's already out of there with the snake, so, you know. That's, and that's I think true. they left the other rats out the back waiting oh, for us. Hey, we'll see you, Hunk. <laughs> Some ring rats are out back waiting for him. Is that what it is? All right. That's, that's exactly right. A lot yeah. of hair in the ring right now. And then there's Butch. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I assume whatever. I assume whenever two bald guys are going at it. Whenever you're in the ring with bad news, uh, Brown, I just always assume he's going. You know what could kick your ass for real, right? Like I know you know he's just talking shit to people constantly. Yeah, like bad news and Ron Bass are just like they're like probably just want to shoot fight right now. They're like, you know, we could kick all these motherfuckers' asses right. Yeah, now. He can just clear the ring right now and change the story. I like that Tito, Tito and Greg Valentine are mixing it up. The uh, the forever feud between Tito and between Chico and uh, Greg Valentine. Mm. The they what, what bad news. A lot of, he has a lot of anger that he holds on to. Valentine <laughs> in the future, Martel every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he never forgets. What no. was bad news? Uh, Allen's like finishing move before the the Insigiri thing that he did before he was in the WWF. Oh. Before the ghetto blaster, yeah. um, hmm. I'm gonna assume it was probably like a, like a uh, more like of a, a crescent, kick. Like a, yeah. yeah, like a crescent yeah. kick or something like that. Something I, I don't know. I do not know what that is. It was funny. We were reviewing the bad news uh, hacksaw match from Mania oh. Five, oh. and it's funny that like oh, yeah. hacksaw hacksaw's running around with like the you know the American flag and all that, and it's like this guy. Bad news was an Olympian for the United States. <laughs> Marty Marty. Oh. oh. <laughs> and I, I just love how Ron Bastard popped him as he got in the ring. <laughs> Have you Chad got this? You want to see my foot? Yeah. Chad, <laughs> yeah. let's see your yeah, ankle and see if it looks as remotely. Ron Bastard is not selling right a now. single yeah. thing it for Genetti there. <laughs> Janae's um, foot Janae's foot looks like a weird gourd that you'd find like out in the field <laughs> like when you're going well, pumpkin picking <laughs> like guy. an hour ago that yeah. was just disturbing yeah yeah poor guy oh oh there we go oh, see you Ron sorry Ron Quentin Bass. Tarantino said no thanks when he saw Marty's yep. foot it was that bad mm. he said you don't have to be at Dak Rabbit Slim's uh, dance contest yeah. Yeah, Dave, you were mentioning like how uh, the, the, the Valentine and hockey, but there's a lot of like of this era, like a lot of tag team representation. With uh, you got the Rockers, Towers, mm-hmm. of, doing Towers, the Brainbusters, Rockers, Towers of Pain, Strike Force. Yeah, yeah. But that that move we saw, that move we saw when the the double drop kick to send Bass out. I mean, that's the first time since Axon Smash clotheslined Andre when he first came in the ring. That we've really had two guys working together, like that teammate concept, working together to eliminate someone. Yeah, because yeah. like Honky saved Valentine, but they didn't really work each with each other after that. And, That's and right. And see, they're working again. You've got they're, they're working over. Oh, always just made bad news moves, and Sean takes Marty down. Uh oh. Stuck a finger right up his <laughs> cornhole. I'm glad that I heard the end of that sentence. I was thinking yeah. crazy things. Oh, here he comes. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't realize Michael did his crotch on the ropes this early. <laughs> Let's all pay homage to the man. The macho real. Oh, yeah. Savage Just came in. Slim Jim, brother. Love Savage the came in and he already told everybody he's the World Wrestling Federation champion five times. <laughs> you, son, you motherfuckers, I'm the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion of the world. Really? Yeah, let's, let's see what he got in the ring. And he was like, he didn't even take his sunglasses off. Yeah. <laughs> the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion doesn't take his sunglasses off when he comes in the ring. 
He was having that house show run with bad news around this time too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, bad news. The first say that, first show know, I ever went to was a few weeks before this, and that was the main event. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Was it any good? Mm-hmm. That must have been awesome. Uh, was it a street? Or just a regular match. <laughs> no, it was just a regular match. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, bad news basically was calling Liz a massive whore and saying she was blowing Jack Tunney all the time. So, oh, you know, I can see why Savage was a little upset with the man. <laughs> Savage is upset with a lot of people, though. Yeah, he's an intense dude. He was a very upset man. I am the only person that, that can just, lay hands on my life. No one else ring. is allowed to. That's right. No one else. You can just feel the intensity picked up when he came in. Just just the overall intensity of the match seemed to yeah. increase. Yeah. He's been life. in the ring for like a minute and a half now, and he's already mixed it up with pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a perpetual motion in, in every match. You, 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 yeah. After I after I got bumped out, you guys were the first time you were talking about how this rumble's kind of not the best, and then it's like the next five are awesome, and it's so true. This is definitely a tale of three rumbles right here. It's like the first, the first bunch, and then once Savage comes in, it's like the second half, and then it's the third half, and the second half is the best half of the, is, oh, the second part is the best part of this rumble. Oh, here we go. I think this rumble's really solid, but just the tail end of it is a little easier. Yeah, the tail end, it, it all falls apart after Hogan and Savage are out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that first third was like dominated by Andre, yep. and then the second half is the Mega Powers, oh. and then like the third, mm-hmm. third part. Because uh, by the way, Valentine's gone. Oh. Look at just, just the there the way Arn took that. Arn just oh, I, I talked about this last episode, but the way the brain busters, the way Arn and Tully just sell and work. Now there's something. Oh. Arn, Arn and Savage working together. Yeah, great <laughs> bump. That's a team that I would have loved to have seen long term. It's like a Saturday, uh, a WCW Saturday night main event, Saturday night mm-hmm. show that uh, probably happened somewhere. Yep. Oh, yeah, because as soon as Savage got to WCW, he was reigniting his feud with Flair again. And, you know, wherever Flair is, Arn's not that far behind. <laughs> Is this, is this, I think this is my favorite Heenan family with Brainbusters, Andre, yeah. Haku, Rude. Like, that's yes. kind of the best version of the fucking uh, yeah. Heenan family. Yeah. And you throw yeah. Red Rooster yeah. in there with the Virgil, and you're, you're mm-hmm. fucking good. 89, 89 Bobby Heenan is awesome. And he has the best group. He has the best, he has the best year ever in professional wrestling, I think, of any manager, I feel like. I want a world where they go to, they, they're the NWO, and you get that team in a war game. Uh, sure. Oh, Andre in a war game. Oh, Arn. <laughs> what a sell. Are there I, one of those guys too that's like able to have comedic parts in a match where he's completely yeah. serious for yeah. the entirety of the match, but has those comedic spots that are just entertaining as fuck, you know? Like, yep. yeah, I'd yeah. say him and Terry Funk are the two. Because it's like an angle and an Austin, they could be funny in promos, but like actually in ring, like you're saying, yeah. that's that's a really good point. It's because Arn's never Arn's never funny until he's doing a spot in a match where he is making some kind of comedy. Right. I guess Piper too, but I mean it's always very try. It's always it's waiter error too. It's yeah, it's, yeah. 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 
Rick Rude could sometimes actually have a, a couple of really good cells in a comedic way. Yeah, yeah. Rick Rude taking an, an inverted Rude. atomic drop or an, a regular atomic drop was like the best. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's trying to sell that his hog is bigger than everyone else's too. That uh, sure. atomic mm. drop. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this was like 34 years ago, and, and Tully Blanchard pretty much looks the same. <laughs> so does Arn. So does Arn Anderson. Yeah. Arn more so. Yeah. Marty looks the same except for his foot. I mean, yeah. it's one of those where the, the, the guys like Marty Janetti's fighting a guy whose real name, like two Martys, even though Arn is not. Oh, really there's there. the spine buster. Yeah. We got two double guys, Marty here. Two yeah. guys named Marty. Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan and Terry Funk fighting or yeah. Marty! Funk fighting. Yeah. This is the match where Marty had his brain busted officially, and it's never been the same since. No. <laughs> That's it. Look at Savage going to the top rope. What's he doing? Doing a double He's accent? Being a lunatic. I, like, I, I know it's a battle royal, but I'm fucking still, still going. In yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> like, how long is he in this match? This is like. <laughs> Something tells me he didn't. Good. I'm, I'm glad Macho never won a Rumble because I feel like he didn't have like the mental oh, capacity to ever survive it. You know what I mean? Like mm. he eliminated himself a few times over yeah. the years. It's the Hulkster, my goodness. Now business is about to pick up. Be a lot of eliminations coming, boy. Oh, that goes perfect. That's right, perfect. Then go straight over the fucking the, the post. <laughs> like usual, everybody trying to hold Hulk down, but you know he's going <laughs> overcome the odds. The double noggin knocker to friggin' the brain busters though is great. <laughs> Never got and a straight break. to the choke. The headband off and straight to the choke on bad news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Jesse didn't pull that out. Bad news doing like that, uh, what's it, Dragon Sleeper or whatever? What do they call it? The Niragani or Iragani? That was called. <laughs> we'll just make up words that sound Japanese. It's. I think that's it. I think. No, Is that's that the Iragani? That's where you make like an animal of a piece of paper. Iranagi, yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, the Iranagi, brother. That's eel served on top of rice. Beef. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Damn it. Mm-hmm. Didn't I get eliminated already? What is he? What, is he just leaving me here for shits and giggles? <laughs> yeah, he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> he for it. See ya. Uh, Butch lasts 18 minutes here, Chad. You asked I mean, it yeah. feels like it's been at least like 45. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about 16 minutes too long. Why? Something that tells me he didn't score very well on now earning the Royal Rumble. So well, no. formatting this, they were like, you know what? Let's give that butcher run. <laughs> to hell with Luke, though. <laughs> Hogan's taking on the, both the brain busters now. Oh boy! Well, speaking of the other bushwhacker, when you think about the bushwhackers, it's kind of like when Eddie Murphy went from like Raw to being like a children's performer. 
Like they went yeah. from being like the sheep herders in the bloodiest barbed wire cage matches of all time, and then they just became comedy characters in yeah. the WWF. Where they're it's literally like Eddie Murphy being like the most cutting edge comedian of all time, and be like, you know what, Daddy Daycare works for me, brother. Like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> Except for the Bushwhackers, was like a one year oh, change yeah. for Eddie Murphy. It took several decades, and now the mega powers are finally working together for the first time. Well, I was about to say, we have three tag teams in there at one point. The Powers, the Busters, and the Pushwhackers, and Bad News, the, the odd man out. Luke, Luke didn't really help out his buddy there. Kinda <laughs> no. no just got drive. tossed as quick, that, yeah. just quickly as Luke came in. At least, at least Luke lasted longer here than he does in 91. Yeah. I like the motto in... Uh... Uh, uh, bad news are a little married to each other once they uh, kind of hooked up for the first time. It must be like a nice uh, little sign of respect, maybe. Like, all right, brother, I know you're gonna Oof. take care of me. Oh, fucking hell, that was, it, 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 that, was that did not look good. It, it didn't look like Hogan, Hogan was looking after him in any way. I mean, Hogan and Tully probably don't have very much interaction with each other. Historically, well, outside of think. this match, probably never. I can't think of any other match they've yeah. been together. I'll do some cage matching on that real quick. Yeah, this is the only match they were ever in together, which wow. is kind of crazy. When was Tully's last like WCW match? Would have been right before Hulk came in, or a little before that? Yeah, I mean, like he's at Slambury '94 and kind of like legend thing. I think that all ties into the fact that I never really came back into the ring of WCW. You'd have to talk about Memphis. Talk about Memphis guys with really good punches. Here comes Coco Beware. Oh, look at that dropkick. Interesting fact, we had seven guys in the ring now. Six of them are in the Hall of Fame. Bird, 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 bird. My cat's in the way. All right. That's good. So bad news, big, I guess, right? Cat's a big Coco fan. He's the only one not in. He sure is. Bird, bird, bird. <clears throat> yeah, Coco's a little bit on that bushwhacker trajectory. Oh, we've got, we've got Arn like Anderson serious doing his we became kind of impersonation. Of characters, yeah. mm-hmm. Bad News Brown's like, like, I'm not selling for Coco. I'm not selling Coco's kind of like secret yeah, mean guy. Right? Like he's always such a good guy, but he seems yeah. like a secret mean dude. Coco's squashes in Memphis are some of the most vicious, amazing squash matches yeah. you'll Coco's, ever see. Yeah. Like, Coco's nasty in Memphis. That's guy. interesting. Hogan and Coco going at it. Yeah, former Survivor Series 88 partners. Yeah, that's not one you think about. Oh, oh, Luke oh, Hogan's on his run now. Yeah, no. Hogan's like, can't get Luke going, brother. <laughs> He's got brain busters working over him. That's probably going to be bad news for the brain busters. Oh, he missed that. Imagine like a right. Rockers Hogan versus brain busters Andre kind of six man at this point. Oh. I'm good. Jesus. I just love the, the way you see the intelligent worker like Arn and Tully. Arn slipping under the ring to try and drag Hogan out. It's just such oh, a smart boy. thing to do. 
Oh. Oh. Oh, there go the Brainbusters. Oh, there Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> here comes history. That's exciting. Who's the warlord? Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, there go Ben. Oh and yeah. There's the big spot. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> And of course, Jesse immediately siding with Savage on this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, throughout this feud, like, I don't know. Hogan didn't look the best, of course. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth now in the ring. I know that's asking a lot, Gorilla. <laughs> that's exactly. Gorilla thinking she's going to be the mediator here. I don't know about that. <laughs> A lot of a lot of finger pointing. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean I I guess they kind of had to do this in this match, but I mean we'll get to it. But I uh, my memory for the end. Yeah, I was going to say my memory is the next fifteen twenty minutes are are a rough rough go. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, oh sticking out the hand. Well, she tried to get him to do it first, and then he kind of pulled away. Then he then he did it on his own accord. So, there, there we go. Still handshaking and hugging as we uh, leave, but yeah. Things seem rosy now. Here we go. Oh, if you ever take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia, who we got? I suspect the Law and Order. It's a hard time. Oh, how'd I know? JT took creative license because it had to be played. <laughs> like Big Boss Man's theme's so great, but Jeff Sobral is even better. How do you have two great, amazing things? Have they had they, they've had their cage match already, right? Or uh, that... I think it's after. Okay. I thought, or maybe it's December. It may be December. Gotcha. I knew that one was really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like their battles were great. Really, Boss Man's one of those unheralded guys that doesn't get talked about a ton. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was really good. It, it, it's an interesting, I think it's interesting the way they were booked, the Twin Towers around this time, because <laughs> they were seen as like a bridge to get as, you know, falls to get to the Mega Powers, but <laughs> very effective. Oh, absolutely. I always get terrified when he does the pile driver, though, because he never seemed oh, sure of himself. No, no protection. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> He always looks a little wobbly neat and then he just kind of Yeah, goes, this this is definitely like fatter, sloppier looking oh, big yeah. boss man. Like his shirt's already untucked. He's uh he's he's probably at around his biggest right here. Oh yeah. 
He takes he takes that pile driver at SummerSlam '91, and I always get terrified because uh, Shock barely gets him up, and he he, he kind of smells it, pops up, and kind of has a tantrum. Yeah. Hey everybody! And now here comes the guy who impersonated the American Dream for several years. <laughs> so, so you guys were demolition, and now you're the Twin Towers. Sure, <laughs> why not? That makes sense. Oh, yeah. When I met this lady, and I told her quite a story that I love I love Akeem. Akeem is like what well, he's probably one of my seriously one of my favorite favorite guys from the '80s. Man, I freaking love Akeem. God. <laughs> This guy had chicken shit and made chicken salad out of it. Do you like him s- simply as a keem, or do you like him as the gang as well? <laughs> I mean, I like the gang too, but he's just—he's so good as a keem, you know. He does have that weird, cool little thing that he does with his hands. Yeah, his little hand drives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is the, the great thing too is that you know. This is what January. What day is this? January what twenty something? Twenty seventh, twenty ninth, like that. Yeah, and then they literally film like fifteenth. Well, they don't. They don't film. Oh, it's the fifteenth. Okay, so it was a ways away. Because I was gonna say they do. Um, they have the main event too. Is like the beginning. Is the first week is February what? February second. Bye bye Hulk. Um, bye bye Hulk. Hulkamania rules, brother. Oh, what the hell? Boss man's gone? Yeah, yeah, that's what you thought. Ulster in heaven. <laughs> Coming back. Coming back. Mm. No, it, it, that, I love that booking, though. I mean, the Twin Towers as a tag team took Hulk out. Great. There he is. Yeah. Brother Brood Eye, the Buckman Street Father. Here we go. Brutton the all white tights too. Not a big fan of those. Got to have more color there, Bruda. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's like the new days tights were a few years ago. A little bit. I mean, a little bit at a time. Like, what can possibly be Hogan's beef here? Like, he legitimately got eliminated. Why is he? Well, you know that? how Hogan is. I know, but every, this is like one of the most. The guy, every every battle royal slash rumble slash anything that Hogan gets eliminated and he cries like a big. Pussy. Yeah, this this one's real bad. Like, I mean, he there, that was a hundred percent clean. Ninety two was pretty. Ninety two was pretty bad as well. I know, but at least then, like, they were still like hanging on and a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of nefarious stuff going on outside. I just, I mean, you know what? I went on a. Good, but... I had like an epic rant years ago about how Hogan is just—he's the ultimate heel. Like when he finally came as Hollywood Hogan, it was just a—it na- wasn't even a natural. Tra- cha- he didn't even change. He just basically just—he changed his clothes. That's all he did. He and his promo same- style. I mean, he basically just shit on the fans instead of you know. Yeah. Saying. But I think that's what made him a favorite, or because he did wrestle as a heel, like in the early eighties. He said a quiet. He said like the Road Warriors, basically. Right. He started saying the quiet things out loud. Is when he when he was NWO Hogan, (laughs) when he was dissing the fans. (laughs) (laughs) But Hogan's gone, and we don't have to look at. Yeah, it's interesting. They could have they could have done a turn, you know. 
much sooner in WWF. Sure. I'm sure. Oh. But actually, I think waiting is the best idea. This theme music is actually a banger. Just because of that. It's got the, they got the mix of the, of the rooster crow going. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Akeem just tossed him away like garbage. Akeem just went, no, Taylor, no. <laughs> Oof. Oh. oh, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> They're trying to get the big guy out. I love it. Everybody always tries to get the big man out. Who's not out here? Well, there's enough people. There's one big guy that's still got to come out. There's a couple of big guys that still have to come out. This is where it starts to grind to a halt, though. This, yeah, the crowd is part. totally yeah. dead. Yeah. This last oh, part. Hogan's got, gone. It's like time to go home. We got five people left, and it's just, yeah, it's it's grinding to yeah, a halt. That's one reason why I've never liked this one is the finish, the end is just me. It's it's actually I feel like the this is one of those rumbles where the matches on the pre-card are better than the actual rumble match <laughs> because I mean this yeah I mean, they weren't great wow. <laughs> well the the pose down was maybe the best thing of the whole show oh no the, pose the most memorable oh no I oh my god I love the Haku Holly race like that's a bang right yeah and yeah then, and then the six man the Duggan High Foundation Bravo yeah. shows. it's probably the only match that Dino Bravo's in that I can stomach him for the whole time mm. I mean I have seen this whole show in literally like almost 30 years I, I loved Gorilla's um, comment there when Akeem was on the rope he's like oh he's looking for the show answer man he's running out of gas <laughs> I think Jesse like legit like, was like a like a shoot laugh this is the manager I would never want yeah. to be my manager in real life. <laughs> by the way, I by the way, Akeem is the biggest example or one of the very early examples of Vince McMahon deciding that being a petty dork is better than making like having cool shit. Like I'd rather sure. take away the one man gang and make this joke about Dusty Rose than have an insanely cool character that to this day would be selling merch. Mm -hmm. But it's better to have this like guy and make fun of Dusty Rhodes. And he's done that yeah. for you know 30 years after that. So it would be such a cooler thing to be boss man and one man gang, like a fucking mm -hmm. lawman yeah, cool. gone bad with a bike. Yeah. It'd be like a movie uh the ones of Amis that uh Pam Bam Bigelow's in a snake eater. Like it'd be, I don't know man like it'd be so much cooler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know why he always had a. Uh, and also, uh, Dino, Dino Bravo has a really good match with Ken Patera at one of those uh, weird shows that I really like. But they just beat the show. Oh, yeah. You don't like that match, Kelly? <laughs> I, I've never seen it. I'm just thinking Ken Patera in 1988 was uh, pretty much. I don't dead. know. They just they just beat the shit. It's like, like two beefy dudes who have really weird histories of like uh, hmm. crime and just being like. Oh. Yeah, it's true. Ordained uh, as like the next Pizarra big get killed at some point. It's a mer minor miracle. Oh, he's milk. He could just there turn the milk and he could just turn the milk and 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 be loquacious and disappear. I wonder what his prison. What it was like? Was he like, you know, the leader of the gang? Was he one of the top guys in the yard? 
I mean, I think being an Olympic athlete in that era meant something. So he probably yeah. just was kind of like. Kind of yeah, I don't think anybody fucked with him. Yeah, he oh, probably just hung out, lifted weights a lot, read books, maybe. Oh, the big return. Read books about. Did he read the. Yeah. Uh, never mind. The book about uh, the guy who created McDonald's. I think it was. was this Stud's return? Hadn't he done? He had done nothing before this. He had done. TV? He had done like promo. Like he came out. He was on Brother Love. You know, I don't think. I he, totally uh, missed that because when I heard he won, I was like, "What? He's been yeah. gone for years." I, I had no idea he was back. Yeah, he doesn't. Do, he doesn't. He's not around for very long either. No. And he does absolutely nothing. Like between pretty much, he really doesn't. I mean, I think he, he does. He does start up with Andre again. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going to do another feud with the roles reversed this time. Yeah, but, but Andre's, uh, Andre's still missed. couldn't I don't cut think, it. Yeah, I don't think and that, and I don't think Andre wanted to really deal with him anymore. No. Andre well, was like, I'm uh, done. Supposedly, Andre always hated him. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that seems like so he had tough. Hollywood aspirations, too, because he was in a lot of, not a lot of stuff, but he was in some stuff before this and kind of during this era. Yeah, good luck for Hollywood. I mean, big enough. He's in Harley Davidson, the Marvel man. why he left. It was really abrupt. Hillbilly Jim took his spot against Andre on the house show. Yeah, he was, I just was looking it up. He was miss, He was mixing it up with Akeem on the house show, like in between this and WrestleMania. Mm. And then after Mania, I think, I think he just, I don't know why he left. I think he just probably didn't want to, you know, there wasn't anything for him to do except... I don't think he was going to make a lot of money with Andre. Like, I, I think people were kind of – nobody wanted to see Stud versus Andre. No. You know? it, this was only 1989, but Stud already felt like like 10 years out of date. Ancient. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. His LJN also had the worst paint job ever because he was always naked. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Whether not that white paint just disappeared on the Yeah, desk. it peeled off so easily. Although his Man. his his LJN pose was one of the best, he could do pretty much anything. Better, yeah, better than most. How That's second like rate does this match does this match feel now that the Hogan Macho Man angle happens? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's dropped <laughs> off. They did it in the middle is just so stupid. Like even all the other stars were done and gone by now. Well, except yeah. DiBiase. Yeah. Right. And According he just to... gets the proverbial, like, big, big at the end, you know. According Before to Wikipedia, I... Stud left because of bad payoffs. <laughs> that was that what it was? <laughs> what was Before... he but he didn't go anywhere. I'm surprised WCW didn't snag him. Uh, before Akeem gets eliminated, uh, ECW has eight. There's eight guys who are in ECW in this Royal Rumble, which is kind of almost uh, one third, and that's uh, pretty impressive, I think. Hmm. <laughs> oh, brother! Now I'm thinking him. Now I'm trying to think of them all in my head, Brocco. If you name them all, um... well, Akeem was one of them as the gang. Yeah, right. one man gang. What was Greg Valentine? Uh, Greg Valentine was in on him. He was in weird show. Tito though. Santana. Tito, yeah. Former champ. Tito. Uh, was Marty ever there? Marty, yeah. Had some really big matches. I think Arn Anderson had at least one match with BC. Jake yeah. Roberts makes him. Tully Blanchard fought um, Shane Douglas. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Arn um, had that. It was like him and like. I think it was like him and Sabu versus Eaton and Funk. Yep. Like yeah, that. it was a weird mix of guys. Yeah. Hercules was, was Hercules? No, mm, I don't no. think so. Mar- no. 
the Bushwhackers showed up as part okay. of the Dudley. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Taking a breather. Were they like honorary Dudleys? Yeah. Wow. And then Tully. Yeah. Ricky Martel. Well, technically, you Akeem's... still Strike Force Martel here. Yeah, yeah Akeem's... using the model's music. Akeem the Dream's ring gear looks really comfortable. <laughs> sure. That's why he switched. He did the, the yeah. vest and the... You just put Juicy on the back of it, and it'd be very... Uh, you know, that when he when he came... When he was in um, the WrestleMania 17 Battle Royal... He was supposed to go in as Akeem, but he had lost so much weight that the Akeem gear didn't fit him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so he just went back out as the gang. <laughs> That's amazing. Awesome. That's an awesome like little tidbit. And It'd be funny if he was so skinny that he had to wear Harvey Whippleman's gear, and then he was just Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big weight. Harvina. He was Harvina. Jesus. Wear the Eggman costume. It's, her, it's Irvina to you. <laughs> is this Eggman? <laughs> Jesse Lovin, they, that they know now, DiBiase is 30. Yeah. Kind of crazy that Akeem, one man gang, is still alive. With the amount of people we that died in this era, for a guy mm-hmm. that size to stick it out yeah. as long as he has, yeah, hey, just be a big dude, not a partier, right? So he's probably like what, like mid sixties now. He's a gang sixty three, mm. and um, he had, he actually he had like his whole house was destroyed. I think from Katrina. I want to say it was Katrina. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. Good. He had like his whole house destroyed and everything, but. Mm. Surprisingly, really good uh, shoot interview. Uh, interviewer, interviewee. Oh, sure. I remember seeing him at one of the WrestleCons, like a Mania weekend or something, and and I was surprised at how good he looked. You know, hey, for size and age, you know. Not as pretty as Oh my God. Speaking of territories, we got a little mid south. A lot of mid south mm-hmm. going on in this ring right now mm-hmm. with Terry Taylor and Hercules. Hercules was in there. I love how calmly DiBiase came to the ring, just composed, no rushing. He was just taking his time. He's a man that knows he's going to win. I know he doesn't, but he knows <laughs> in his brain. He's yeah, win, right. And I was just going to say, like, if confidence. you look at this match right now. Like, who would you, like, at home live, like, who would you have thought was going to win? Like, you would have had to have thought Tibiasi, right? Yeah. He really should have. Oh. I mean, even... Absolutely. Like, yeah. they announced that Stud was making his return or whatever, but on the TV, like, the superstars leading up to this, like, it wasn't very prominent. I, I don't no. think they were looking... He, 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 obviously, he, since they weren't doing the Mania, they weren't looking at this as a long-term booking match, but no, I think they learned no. after this, no. like, and that's what it would have been yeah. if it had been like... Not even if he didn't like, win the uh, shot. They wanted to, they wanted to use it... They wanted to use this match to, to sort of rebuild or re-push Stud, but I think part of the problem is prior to this... He'd only done he'd done the the vignettes he'd done the the firing of Heen like oh, I'm not going to work with Heen and on Brother Love 
And then they had a couple of vignettes of him lifting weights. He, he wasn't in the ring. He didn't do anything. So yeah. the crowd couldn't connect to him. The, the longer term, the people who've been fans for two or three years or longer, their last memory of stud is this big heel, not this good yep. guy. And now he's in the ring. And all he's done, all match, is just beat on Akeem. He hasn't done anything else. Just stuck in a corner yeah. with Akeem. So he's I done like nothing if- to get the fans behind him. I feel like if they, looking at this again, you know, throughout history, I think, honestly, if you weren't going to let DiBiase win this at this point, they should have let Hercules win it. And that would have been a yeah, huge yeah. thing. That would have been a huge bump for Hercules, like, in the feud with DiBiase that he was in at the time. Like, have Hercules beat, have Hercules throw DiBiase out at the end. And yeah, and especially, yeah, especially when you think about Mania, which, you know, we think of Rumble now as, like, the build to Mania, so obviously it wasn't quite that then. But right. even so, it's, what, two, two, three months before? And Big John Studd didn't even have a fucking match in the show. No. You know what I mean? He, no. No. he was a special ref. Like, Grant, if, you want to look at, if you want to look at direction, I mean, Beefcake eliminating DBRC at the end would have been a great build to that match. And it also generates that move of Beefcake up the card because Beefcake Mm -hmm. by SummerSlam is teaming with Hogan. He's he's dealing with Savage post-WrestleMania. So he's a man on the rise. I mean, you would think too if DiBiase... Maybe have had him have a crew of dudes in the match. Good night, guys. That was a great... That was a really smart move. Really smart work where DBRC was able to eliminate them both because they were just completely Mm -hmm. dealing their own thing. I think it just shows his brains. And we're down... Well, we have five. We were talking earlier about why the, you know, the match seems to die off after Hogan, but I think after the Hogan-Savage situation, but I think part of the problem is is this whole thing of Stud and Akeem in the corner doing their mm-hmm. own thing. At the beginning of the match, everyone was going after Andre, and Andre was fighting everyone off. And I think if they'd done something similar with Stud where everyone was going for Stud, and he had to fight them off, I think it would have got the crowd into it a bit more. Like I was saying, it was baby-facing Andre to be attacked like that. It would have done the same thing for a stud. Mm. Yeah, and think of your, think of being at the show with like your kids, right? It's late at night. They see Hogan get eliminated. Why would you stay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, does, yeah. do you think that that four- or five-year-old you brought to this show was is yep. upset about the fact he's going to miss Ted DiBiase and Big John Studd, you know? Sure. And now the final four. What a final four, huh? Martel, DiBiase, Stud, and Akeem. And and we get to we get yeah. to like the storytelling in a match. Why aren't Martel and DiBiase going? We need to work together to get one of these big guys out, exactly. so that we don't have to deal with them one on one. This, I mean, you talk about storytelling booking. Can you imagine if DiBiase was basically flashing the money at Martel and Akeem, going, "Let's work in getting Stud out." They eliminate mm-hmm. Stud, then it's like you get that that scene there where Akeem eliminates Martel, and yep. then DiBiase can flash the money again. Akeem can self-eliminate, and DiBiase stands there having paid everyone off to not just get thirty, but win the That's match. Right. That's right. Weird booking for this. <laughs> 
And the million dollar man's got to feel pretty good. He's been in there the shortest. Yeah, he's He's been in there the shortest, but he's 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 still been in there a few minutes working with a bunch of guys. It wasn't an easy entry. No. Yeah, but he's seeing two or three people after that one. DiBiase directing traffic in there right now, Jess. He's telling Akeem exactly what to do and how to do it. I love the way DiBiase is just saying, <laughs> Akeem, in you go. Keep going. Do it. Hit him again. Hit him again. Hit him again. It's just like, but, but you're right. Like, why didn't DiBiase orchestrate this five minutes ago? When he had yeah. more people in the ring, you know what I mean? Mm. He's the money man. He can be the one that can make it happen, right? He's the money man. Like the NWO money man. Yeah, it's not like yeah. those other people in the ring were people you were worried about, like, looking bad. You know, you right. know what I mean? Like, a couple no, bucks. I think, I think here comes Akeem. This is Akeem's out. Yep. Uh, I, I do like that. That that I do like that pulling the DBS in to get, to get nailed. Right, that wasn't guys. much of a shot to get Akeem out. That was just a little tap on the back. Right, yeah. And it's unfortunate. The unfortunate thing about some of these early rumbles is you do get those very soft eliminations. Right. He's so does the, he does unimportant, you know? <laughs> I just, I love, DBS is trying to make it work. He's, let's show him the money. Let's pay you off. And, and he's begging off at the same time. I, yeah. He, he does it so well. That was such a good character. He, he had everything yeah. down. And why wasn't he getting, like, telling Virgil, get in here with me? Right, right. Oh, choke in slam. the dumbest spot possible. Oh, I think that's the, the most, the most, the quickest thing I've seen from Stud all match was catching that foot. Catching right, that yeah. Foot. <laughs> they didn't have like the no DQ aspect of this match like put together in the fans' minds yet. So that's, mm, maybe that's, that's why they didn't go the Virgil route. Yeah. But I mean, at this point, it's a foregone conclusion who's going to win. Yeah. You just know that that stud's going to eliminate him at some point. It's like the most underrated part of Rumbles too is like how long do they go with the final two? Like mm. some some years, it feels like they're building towards like a long run with them, and then like they just don't. There's just a quick elimination, and then yeah. there's like the Shawn Michaels Undertaker year when it's like, all right, when is this going to end? And, and not that really you wanted feel, it to because it was so good you know yeah no absolutely but you really feel this one should have ended a bit quicker like it, it just feels like studs toying with him now and really exactly. that could have just that, like they could have done that one a minute and a half ago like at least have the tease that like he might buy into it and maybe that's where you should like now virgil comes in like what's the point yeah. now you know uh, after the match all right everyone that was the 1989 and also royal rumble thank you to everyone that competed and off to the next one. Later, guys. Bye.